This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. I'm here stuck here, and I can't come back. simply because it was a case where individuals have engaged in a pattern and practice of fraud. And I will not sit idly by and allow anyone to subvert the law. And lastly, I will not be bullied. And so Mr. Trump is no longer here. The Donald Trump show is over. This was nothing more than a political stunt. In any of the meetings about this in the last 24 hours, has anybody in the West Wing heard anybody talking about the possibility of Speaker Trump. This is something for House Republicans to figure out. This is something for them to fix. We're not going to get involved. Who should be Speaker, Mr. President? Uh, a lot of people have been calling me about Speaker. All I can say is we'll do whatever's best for the country and for the Republican Party. More than anything, we need to change the poisonous atmosphere in Washington. You know, we have strong disagreements, but we need to stop seeing each other as enemies. We need to talk to one another, listen to one another, work with one another, and we can do that. I join with Minority Leader Jeffers, huh? Je- Jeffries, Close. Uh, in saying that our Republican colleagues uh, remain committed to working in a bipartisan fashion. We were prepared to do it as well for the good of the American people. We believe the borders should remain open. That's the official position of the city. But what? we have made it clear there should be a decompression strategy that we could properly deal with the volumes that's coming into our city. And no city should have to carry the burden of a national of the national government. We are safe. We are safe. We're worried about our workouts. I mean, our selfish selves are worried about our workouts. <laughs> Not that the gym owners are going to, you know, be struggling. No. Well, how can I work out? No. I mean, a lot of these small uh, gyms, these small gym owners, uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna survive. They're not going to be closed if there's a surge. But if the spike goes past 9%, I believe the gyms will still stay open based on what he just said. Well, you know, we talk all the time about the psychological effects of the lockdown and the depression, which it does cause. And I don't know, but it seems to me, especially for Sid Rosenberg, myself, but it seems to me there are millions and millions of people who deal with stress and depression rather than through medication by going to the gym. Is it getting better? Do you feel the same? Will it make it easier on you now? You got someone to blame. You say.
This one right here, as many of you know, a Bernard McGurk favorite. This is uh, the song won by U2, but this is the remake where Mary J. Blige, who happens to be from the Bronx and not very far from where Bernard grew up. I forgot the name of the place. Slow Bombers, I don't know. But at any rate, uh, Mary J. Blige, we did this song with Bono, and Bernie loved it, and so do I. So that's how we start today's program. This is a six-hour extravaganza, as only I can do. Six to noon coming up this afternoon. No Brian Kilmeade will get me from 10 to noon with a bunch of very, very good guests. Now, this is uh, Sitting Friends in the Morning, and uh, we got a boatload of great guests discussing the important topics of today, from Nancy Grace to Nancy Mace to Judge Napolitano to... Well, others do. It's going to be a uh, an action-packed show. But throughout today's program, and when I say throughout today's program, this is not going to be what we did a year ago. It ain't going to be six hours of Bernard. It's not going to be a memorial show, a sad... We're not doing that this year. We've done it over and over again. But throughout today's program, we will, in fact, remember my dear friend, my partner, who happened to pass away one year ago today. One year ago today, I... I remember it, um, I'll never forget it, happened to be Yom Kippur, and uh, I was off that day, and I went to bed that night relatively early, and I remember laying in bed, it was about 8 o'clock, next to uh, my beautiful wife, Danielle, and I was thinking about what to talk about the next morning. I mean, don't forget, Bernard passed away a year ago today, in October, but he was not able to come on the show after August. So I had already done about two months of radio without him. But um, I'm laying in bed trying to figure out what to talk about the next morning. And I get a phone call from Mike Breen. Now, I'm friends with Breen for 20-plus years. 20-plus years. We've had hundreds, if not thousands, of conversations, mostly about the Knicks. <laughs> but I never got a phone call at night from Mike Breen, and I missed it. And I thought, ah, maybe he butt-dialed me. But moments after I missed the call, I got a text from Breen, on Yom Kippur, mind you, that said, please call me, it's important. And I looked at Danielle, and I said, I said, oh, no, no. I knew. And I went downstairs, and I called Mike. And he gave me the news, which I thought he was going to give me, because Mike and Bernie were very, 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 very close. And Bernie was gone. And I go back to a week before that day. I was doing a book signing. You folks remember last year my book came out, Citizens United. And I was doing a book signing, Joe the Box, First America Warehouse. Great place, great place. Wonderful night. Andrew Giuliani, Johnny Tobacco, just a great night. It was exactly a week before Bernard passed. 
And I've been getting a little frustrated here because, you know, I kept hearing things like, oh, Bernie's coming back, you know. And I would tell my guys, he ain't coming back. I know we wanted to portray some optimism and certainly wanted Bernie to feel better about himself. But I got a call from Bernard that Wednesday, a week before he passed away, at the book signing. And it crushed me. And I came to work that next morning, that Thursday morning, and the first person I talked to was Lou. And I said, Lou, if you go back and watch Brian's song, exactly what I said to Lou. And Jim Kahn, who I since passed, playing Brian Piccolo, the great movie with Billy D, who played Gail Sayers. If you remember the scene where Gail Sayers, Billy D. Williams, is standing over the bed with Jimmy Kahn as Piccolo. And Piccolo could barely talk. And his wife was outside the door crying. And you knew that it was over. And I said to Lou the next morning, I said, my God, Bernie sounded a lot like Brian Piccolo to me. So I know they keep telling you he's coming back, meaning everybody. What did I tell you, Lou, that Thursday morning? He's um, he's not going to be long. He ain't coming back. He's not coming right. back after that conversation. I remember it distinctly. Yeah, now, I came in the me. next morning. I, I couldn't sleep all night. I was destroyed. Destroyed. And he was gone a week later. So uh, today we're going to remember my friend. I spoke to his wife, Carol, yesterday. We had a great conversation. Bruce Blakeman, the Nassau County Executive, is going to join me at 8 o'clock, and you're not going to want to miss it. I, I'm not going to give away any details. We've got a boatload of great guests, but Bruce Blakeman specifically at 8 o'clock, you don't want to miss. And we're going to um, play some bits and some of his favorite songs and and just kind of go back and forth throughout the morning, remembering Bernard. But I do want to make this point because... I think it's important. I love Bernie, and I still do. And I miss Bernie and always will. And I worked with Bernie on and off between I Miss in the Morning and Bernie and Sid for the better part 20 years. That's a long time. And uh, he became a brother, and his wife, Carol, love her, loves me, his children. So while today we remember Bernard... What should not get lost in all of this is the job that my guys right now, Lou Rufino, Justin Ellick, Noam Layden, have done. Because when Bernie passed, this thing could have gone one of two ways. It could have gone to the dumper, or the improbable could have happened, which the show could have gone to number one, which we never were. And the latter is what has happened. So while we will pay respect and deservedly so to a great man, radio terrific, but a great man and a dear, dear friend, I don't want to get lost in this show. The unbelievable job that this current cast is doing right now, because this show has become a powerhouse. Now, the the groundwork was laid with me and Bernard, no question about it. And I got back to New York because of Bernie. He was one of a few people, obviously. Chad Lopez made that final decision. I love Chad forever. But Bernie and I remained in contact all those years down in Miami. We talked about this happening one day. Even wrote it in my first book, You're Wrong and You're Ugly, all the way back in 2010. 
And it happened in 2016. And we had some great times. And we worked through some very difficult times. Don't forget, Bernard and I, we kind of became the voice of this city during those COVID days when everybody stayed home, nobody went to work, and we were here. I mean, I was really a psycho. I still took the train. (laughs) Bernie drove in, but we were here, to his credit and to mine. So we became a very important voice. And I always say, when did Bernie and Sid become important to this city? And I believe it was then, during COVID, when both of us showed, I think, a lot of courage. And we tried to, at least for the listeners out there, we tried to stay optimistic and made you believe you weren't going to die. You can go to a restaurant. You can go to the gym. I didn't wear a mask. Bernie walked the streets carrying a knife down by Madison Square Garden. That was an important time. Then I think that was when New Yorkers started to trust and realize Bernie and Sid. I am not today going to play the cardinal bits and all that stuff, and I'll tell you why. Because Bernie didn't do it. You know, Bernie did not like Imus. <laughs> Bottom line. And when the Imus days were over, the cardinal days were over, the man on the street bits were over, it was done. This is not Imus memorializing Bernard McGrode today, this is Sydney. And I'm going to keep this to Bernie and Sid. I asked Bernie time and time again, you want to do the Cardinal? No, it's dead. It's dead like I miss. It's all true. And I was okay with that because I understood that Bernie always wanted the opportunity, always wanted the opportunity to do his own thing. And when they got me from Florida, he had that opportunity. He was no longer I miss his guy. Calling him at 10 o'clock at night, hey, write a bit tomorrow. He couldn't stand that, Bernard. Hated it. Hated it. I remember when I first got back to New York and I wasn't even doing I Miss yet. They still had Warner Wolf coming on a Tuesday and Bernie was miserable. Now, what's the matter, Bern? Because we were doing the midday show at that. Oh, God, Sid, I got to do the crap for I Miss. He made me write a bit at 12 o'clock last night. Then I got the war show. Then I got Bill O'Reilly. I said, Bern, come on, man. You're lucky you got all these opportunities. I, all of a sudden, I was that guy because for the longest time, Bernie was that guy for me. My insane anxiety and all the nonsense. And Bernie was always the voice of reason. But on those days, I was the voice of reason. So we're not going to do that stuff today. Don't bother. I want to hear the call. It ain't happening. You're going to get Bernie and Sid today, some of it. We're going to bring on some guests that Bernie was tight with over the years. We're going to play some of his favorite songs, but this is still going to be Sid and Friends in the morning. The crying is over. If you go back and remember that next morning when Bernie passed, for some stupid reason, (laughs) I allowed management (laughs) to convince me to come on the air. And John Katsimatidis, who's going to join us at 645, he did an amazing job that morning of. Amazing. In fact, we had a three-man booth like Monday Night Football. We had John Katsimatidis, Frank Morano, and Curtis Sliwa. I remember it well. And I called in at 830, and I could not get through the segment. And it continued. St. Patrick's Cathedral, I could barely barely get through the eulogy. Same thing at Bernie's church out on Long Island. 
crying didn't stop. And just so you guys know, just last week, just last week, when I accepted the award, Sid and Friends, Best Morning Show in New York City, sat there with John and Margo and Chan and Emily and Frank and had my guys, Lou and Justin, there. Just last week, when I was finished with the speech, I raised the award to the sky. I thanked my dad and Bernard, and I cried again. This is a year later. That's not today's show. Okay, so I just want to kind of lay out the expectations beforehand. Some of you psychos out there, you like it morose. You like it more, but you can't get enough of it. No. I got to cover Nancy Mace. I got to cover Kevin McCarthy. I got to cover Donald Trump. I got to cover this psycho, this sick lady, Letitia James. You got week five of the NFL starting tonight. You got the baseball playoffs into the second round. You got big, stupid Evan Neal opening his mouth for the Giants. I got a lot to go over today, folks, a lot. And that's going to be today's show. So we will remember a great man. I say this all the time. You know, Bernie was a terrific radio guy. I misknew it. I knew it. Terrific radio guy. But he was a better man. And what I miss most is off the air. When I was down, when I needed somebody to talk to, when my dad was dying, Bernie was that guy. He was always that guy. He never, ever, ever, ever said to me, not today, Sid, too busy. Ever. I miss that. I miss our friendship. And again, this is no slight to Lou. Lou has, Lou has become my best buddy, and Pete Morgan, and all these guys. But he had this unbelievable ability, Bernard. Nothing to do with radio. This unbelievable ability to listen. And what I've learned over the years is, is that people that listen Are soothing people. They're the ones that help. And I miss that. So, give me some you too. Pete Morgan is sitting to my left. We'll get him on the show coming up next. And throughout the morning, he'll be here. And we've got, again, a bevy of great guests discussing the topics of the day. And my friend Bernard McGurk as well. Six hours, folks. Sitting friends in the morning. This one, Bernie McGurk, this one's for you.
77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Not enough time at 6.31. Back here on Sid and Friends in the morning on Bernie Remembrance Day. I'll be with you till noon. A lot of guests the t- discussing the topics of the day in Bernard. And also, I think today is a valuable show in that lots of men die from prostate cancer every year. You know, Bernie's become the face of that, unfortunately, at this station. But I believe only lung cancer kills more men every year than prostate cancer. So today will serve as an educational tool, if you will, for men out there that don't take this seriously, that don't get tested. I'm one of those guys. I admit it. You know, Bernard had a very, 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 very high PSA rating. I mean, through the roof. I believe it was 18, two years before he died. So... This is a cautionary tale. He did not die in vain. Uh, he was, to a certain extent, he'd admit it, irresponsible when it came to that. And we lost him. So today, Dr. Sean Zimberg, who's the medical director of radiation oncology at Advanced Radiation Centers of New York, he'll be here, the doc, in the 10 o'clock hour. We'll talk about some of the things that Bernie and others uh, could have done, can do to prevent it to make sure that they get to it early. And then at some point after Nancy Mace, my dear friend Nancy, now part of the Trader 8, <laughs> some point after she's on in the 10 o'clock hour, I'll open the phones, and you guys will have an opportunity to talk and ask the doctor some questions as well. That brings me to my first guest of the day in studio all morning long, my dear, 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 dear buddy. I know he spends a fortune on my show on this station, Peerless Boilers. They do build the world's best boilers. Check them out today, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. But, of course, I've known Pete dating back 23 years ago to our days on WFAN and Imus. And what's funny is I kind of get dicky about this. Like, to me, the WABC Imus is like a cartoon. It's not real. You know, to me, Imus was the fan. Those years between 95 and 2005, especially 9-11, that was Imus. The guy that I saw here when I came back from Florida, that was the cartoon version. They didn't get the real Imus here at WABC. That's how I feel. But anyway, you and I have been friends for a very, very long time. And uh, you've got some history with prostate cancer. And what is that exactly, Pete? My father was diagnosed in 
1997. So right away, I went to get checked and have been getting checked annually ever since because of the family history. So you're telling me that you've been getting checked every year for 26 years? That's right. Wow. That's that's incredible. Well, you have to. I mean, you can't you can't take your eye off of it. And that's when Bernie was, you know, telling us about some of the things he was experiencing. We're like, geez, dude, you got to get to the doctor. But if anything positive came out of this, it's the fact that thousands and thousands of men who listened to this show went out and got tested. That's I, true. I personally probably know 50 guys. Yeah, me too. Who have said to me, and, you know, we've talked about this. I've gone for a PSA. I've gone and gotten checked and so on. And while it's not a very pleasant exam, you gotta, it's a simple blood test of PSA. And if they have to do anything further, at least you know where you stand and you have a baseline. When Bernie first got his PSA result and he actually mentioned it on the air one day, Maureen and I was sitting having a cup of coffee. Maybe it was 6.15. And when she heard that, she's like, holy Christ. Yeah. He's got a problem, yeah. you know, and that was long before he really sought serious help. Yeah, well, but it was too late at that point. Early intervention on all of these t- kinds of cancers is is the best, and you have to be checked. And as much as you don't want to be, do it for yourself, do it for your family, do it for your friends. Well said. But moving off of the Bernie topic for a second, I must talk to you about something else. This is very serious. I know. Very serious. Imagine. The Giants. <laughs> so I come in this morning, and I see the cover, the back page of the New York Post. And uh, you've been kind enough over the years to give me all kinds of tickets, Ranger tickets. By the way, you got my November 5th tickets yet for the Carolina Hurricanes? Is that done? It's November 2nd. That's right. Is that done? No, it's we're efforting. Okay. Uh, you'll get them. Uh Met tickets, giant tickets, including that abysmal game one against Dallas in the rain while you were in beautiful Greece, which thank you very much for that. Uh, we share this love for the football giants. And I said a couple of days ago that you may have to go back to the Randy Dean, Jerry Goldstein, Joe Pasarczyk, pre-Phil Sims era to see a giant product this pathetic. It has been pathetic. They're not losing They're getting embarrassed, embarrassed. They played 14 horrible quarters out of 16 quarters all year. And the Seahawks, the Cowboys, and the Niners humiliated the Giants. So if I'm a Giant player and I'm making a lot of money, millions, and my fan base is pissed off, guess what I do? I shut my mouth. What are your thoughts on Giant offensive lineman's Evan Neal's comments? This guy is a complete idiot. You cannot open your yap and act like an ass. I mean, just a complete idiot. Shut up and play. By the way, he's the worst offensive lineman we have, and we picked him in the top, what, four last year? I'm surprised because he was really good at Alabama. I thought he'd be a really good player. I figured between Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal. We were set. We were set. Yeah. Now, Thomas is hurt, and he is a great tackle. Great. But, you know, you miss one guy. And Daniel Jones, who I still think is overrated, no matter what you and Andrew Giuliani say, he's overrated. But in defense of Daniel, he had no time to do nothing out there. No. And he's got no weapons. I mean, none. Zero. Paris Campbell. Really? Evan, Evan Neal's a swinging gate. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. They just run right around him, right through him. Terrible. It's a disgrace. I don't see another win this. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, 
And I'm the most optimistic fan of them all. Yeah. I just don't see how they can win a game. They well, need to get everybody back and start blocking somebody for Christ. Well, they're not going to beat Miami next week on the road. They're not going to beat Buffalo the week after on the road. They're one and five then. They're not going to beat the Commanders who play the Bears tonight. They're not going to beat the Jets. So the, the next possible win I see for the Giants after an almost probable one in seven start is in Las Vegas against the Raiders. I don't know if they can do that. <laughs> Jesus. It's not, it's not the opponents. They're definitely it's them. Yeah. It's, uh, it is it's them. It yeah. doesn't really matter. Like on, on paper, the Raiders are far and away better, a better team. And what makes it worse is we've got to listen to this, this, this idiot Eagles fan over here. Oh, well, yeah. Sorry. Well, well, look, look, take a bat to him, will you? Yeah. My, my bat, I'm 4-0. Oh. They right. are. One of, the, one of the only two unbeaten teams in the NFL, the Eagles and the 49ers. You don't but, sit uh, in here day after day. That's Just yeah. be happy. Ah. We've got the Bengals. You're here. Yeah, 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 hey, yeah. he's got us right now. What can you say? Super Bowl last year, 4-0 and this year. And like you said, I'm not sure we can beat Midwood High School. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> and this is why I'll, I'll go to the birds this weekend. I'll go to the birds. I got, I got a birds. How am I going to get down there? Oh, my God. Who cares? Yeah. Well, I don't have a game for a while. Yeah. Good. 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 Stay away. It's great. All right. We got, we got uh, the boss coming on, John Katsimatidis. He's going to kick off this Bernie Remembrance Day. And again, just to let you guys know, he's going to speak about a variety of very important topics, too. So I don't want you guys to think, as I stated in the very first segment, this is going to be one big cry fest like we did last year. That's not going to be today's show. Don't want to disappoint you, but we got great guests. We were going to remember Bernie, but we're going to talk about all the things going on in the country today. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Elk here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Again, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. A division round of the MLB playoffs is set as each wildcard series ended in a two-game sweep with the Diamondbacks beating the Brewers last night 5-2. to two. Arizona will now play the L.A. Dodgers in the NLDS in Philly. The Phillies beat the Marlins 7-1 last night and will take on the Atlanta Braves in a NL East-themed NLDS. In Tampa, the Rays couldn't protect their home field. Nobody was really out there to watch it anyways. And Route 2 ending their season, losing 7-1 in Game 2 to the Texas Rangers. Texas will move on to to play the Baltimore Orioles in the ALDS. And finally, the Twins' 2 to nothing victory at home over the Toronto Blue Jays punched their ticket into the ALDS against the Houston Astros. All four division series are set to get underway on Saturday Times TBD. Uh, over to football here. Giants left tackle Evan Neal, as previously mentioned. He did finally finally apologize for his choice words that he had for Giants fans who were booing the team after their poor performance on Monday Night Football against Seattle. Neal originally said in an interview with NJ Advance Media, quote, they were booing us, so I said boo louder. Why would a lion concern, concern himself with the opinion of a sheep? The person that's commenting on my performance, what does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? How about that? After almost immediate backlash from the media in a note posted to X last night, Neil stated, quote, I'm wrong for lashing out at the fans who are just as passionate and frustrated as I am. I let my frustrations in my play and desire to win get the best of me. I had no right to make a light of anyone's job, and I deeply regret the things I said. Sounds very sincere. Staying on the gridiron here. We've already got week five action to look forward to tonight in the NFL with the Chicago Bears in Washington to butt heads with the Commanders. Kickoff set for 8.15 p.m., and the Commanders are currently six-point favorites at home. Sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan of Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. And I'm Justin Ellicott, 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 
77 WABC remembers our colleague, our friend, radio legend, Bernard McGurk. One year later. I loved you. Are you nuts? Well, you said love. Now it's in the past tense. So No, I, I, I still do. Working with me for four years, you don't hate me at this point? On certain days. <laughs> Not every day, but this morning I don't hate you at all. Please join us all day today, honoring the life of our colleague, our friend, Bernard McGurk. It's already been a year, but it has been a year, a year ago today, Bernard passed away. You know, I was um, at an event last night, and I couldn't wait to text John and Margot. It's true. So, through John Katzmatidis, i become very, very friendly with Paul DiGiacomo. And Paul DiGiacomo is the president of the union, I guess, uh, the DEA. Uh, that's not the Drug Enforcement Agency. That is the Detectives Endowment Agency. About 5,500 cops, a lot of folks, a lot of folks. And they put on this annual gala, and they give awards. Let me tell you what these awards went to, folks. They had somebody on stage who mentioned a cop's name, what district or precinct, I should say, he works in, and then gave the graphic details on what happened to him. Shot five times, stabbed in the face. And then these men, women, would come up to the stage to accept their award, most of them in wheelchairs, very, very similar to what you would see, for example, at a Frank Siller Tunnel to Towers night. Just heart-wrenching, but at the same time, beautiful. The courage these people show. So the Giacomo invited me and Danielle to this event last night. Russo's on the bay. And after handing out all these awards to these courageous souls, at the very end, they gave me an award. And I was overwhelmed. I I couldn't believe it. I didn't deserve it on a night like this. But they did for my support and love for the cops. And I'm so proud of this award. I, I took a picture of it and right away sent it to John and Margot because... I say this wherever I speak, and I've been given awards now by the Silver Shields, the DEA, all these cops. I said, the only people I know in my life that are more pro-cop than me and Bernard, John and Margo. And we've got a big Back to Blue event coming up on the 20th, which we're all looking forward to. So with that said, here he is, one of the finest men you'll ever meet, host of two great shows on this station, Cats and Cosby, 5 p.m. every weekday afternoon, and the Cats Roundtable, unbelievable show, 8 a.m. Sundays, my dear friend, John Katzmatidis. John, good morning, buddy. How are you? Well, good morning, Sid. I mean, you were all the way up at Russo's on the Bay uh, last night. Me and Margo, we went to Coney Island, uh, and uh, we spoke before the uh, uh, a real estate group. We spoke before the Chamber of Commerce in uh, in Coney Island. And I enjoyed my dinner last night. You know what I did for dinner last night? What? We, we went to Nathan's uh, Franks. I had two of the most delicious Franks <laughs> with sauerkraut and onions <laughs> on it. And I, I, I will tell you, dinner for eight people when I took Margot out for our anniversary on 
on Monday was two thousand dollars. Yeah. Dinner for dinner for eight last night at Nathan's was forty eight dollars. <laughs> You know what's well, great I about could, that, too? I, I, could average, I could average up, you know, average up. <laughs> That's great. And you know, John, I want people to know this, because I saw Suzanne Miller here yesterday. Those beautiful apartments, and they are beautiful, Ocean Drive right there on the beach in Coney Island. For folks that don't know this, downstairs, right on the beach side of those apartments, is a little, I guess, uh, concession, a restaurant, and in that, and I've stayed at 22A a bunch of times. In that, they serve Nathan's hot dogs and Nathan's knishes. So if you rent yourself an apartment at Ocean Drive this morning on Coney Island, you can go right downstairs and get the same food they serve at Nathan's. How about that, John? Well, besides that, I gave my usual speech. You breathe in that ocean air, and you, I, I will certify you're going to live 10 years longer. So true. You are so right, and that's part of the reason why Danielle and I moved to the beach. Just, I walk out in the morning, I can smell it, I can feel it. I felt like hell living in the city last winter, and I already feel uh, a heck of a lot better. I want to get to a couple of really important topics with you, but again, uh, this... Uh... I want to say one thing about Bernie yes. before we get to those topics. Yeah. The war, you know, Bernie, Bernie caused his own problem, which I, I, I feel so bad about four years before he passed his uh, his uh, PSA count was like 18 which is horrible it's a miracle he lived four years after that but he waited four years when he was actually very very sick and I feel so bad and, and, and number two the one thing that it accomplished though it probably saved tens of thousands of yep. lives yep. in the ABC audience yep. who loved Bernie and realized what a mistake it is not to get yourself tested, you know, once a year, once every two years. And and if there's a problem, take care of the problem. Don't hide it. And, and uh, uh, it doesn't, you know, problems like that don't go away by themselves. No. And uh, the one thing that... I, I must commend Bernie. Uh, you know, in, in his passing, he helped tens of thousands of people live longer. And uh, the other thing, uh, and, and it wasn't easy. You know, Bernie and Cardinal Dolan were not, not always the closest people in the world. But Cardinal Dolan opened up St. Patrick's for us. We had 5,000 people there or something like that. And it was the ceremony that Bernie deserved. And enough of that. We'll move on. No, I agree with everything you said. And uh, the most important thing, and that was a beautiful day at St. Patrick's Cathedral, the most important thing you said, which is true, is our friend Bernard did not die in vain because he is saving lives, John, like you said, every day. Now, let's get to uh, the big stories in Washington. I had your show on the other day. When McCarthy was ousted, you were kind of the first show to get to that. I was already off the air. And I think you, you share the same sentiment as me. My, my dear friend, and she is a dear friend, Nancy Mace, is going to join me at 1030 this morning. I called her last night, 11 p.m. I said, Nancy, I hate what you did. I know you've got your reasons. You'll tell me tomorrow. But I hate what you did, and I'm not alone. She said, Sid, it doesn't matter. I love you. I care about what you think. But I did what's right for the country. Do you think she did? No, 
I think she uh, she did wrong for the country, and those eight people that that voted that way and followed that uh, that guy in in Florida uh, Gates did the wrong thing for the country, uh, and uh, I believe there's much more more involved in that. They took advantage uh, of the situation. This is the first time in the 200-year history, 226, 227-year history of the United States of America, and, and they did wrong. Where the other wrong is, and I don't know this for a fact, uh, I commended, I, you know, I, uh, the one thing I said, extremism on the left or extremism on the right are both wrong. Agreed. Uh, you know, everybody, Americans should come together in the time uh, of crisis. And we've, you know, I believe President Biden has created a crisis of all the mistakes he has made running this country. He has created a crisis because it started, you know, a lot of the conservative economists will tell you that uh, uh, the economy is bad because he's spending too much money and the, we owe too much money. Yes. But but it started with what he did with the fossil fuel industry, with the oil industry, shutting it down. That's what caused the prices of gasoline, the prices of food, the prices of everything, because everything that, that is associated with oil went up. And what President Biden kept saying, I'm going to take care of the poor people. I'm going to take care of the middle, middle class. Well, he did opposite. The poor people got poorer. Yep. The middle class got poorer. And you know who got rich? We moved a trillion dollars worth of wealth from North America to Russia and to the OPEC nations. <laughs> and that, that is wrong. And, and what, what, what are we going to do? The, the fact is, there's, an e there's not a war going on right now with bullets. It's an economic war going on. Russia is making, you ready, sitting down, Sid, a billion dollars a day no. on oil. And you know who gave them the money? We did. We did. Yeah. yeah. We did. Yeah. By reducing the price. And wait, wait a second. Russia reduces, Russia reduces their uh, their output to bring the price of oil to 100. Uh, Saudi Arabia and the OPEC nations reduced the price of oil to bring the price of oil up. And President Biden on 9-11 goes to Alaska and, and brings, down the, brings down the oil uh, supply that, uh, that Alaska is uh, supplying. Well, you can't make this up. <laughs> I mean, you, you either have to laugh or cry. I'm crying. Yeah. I, I mean, and, but now... There's a reverse. And then you know what happens? The Fed raises interest rates to compensate for the stupidity of Washington. And th that's and it, that's and, part of my frustration. You know, people are out there saying, you know, and when I say people, John, I'm not talking about smart people like you. I mean idiots on television going, hey, man, I'm not sure what you guys are talking about. The economy is improving. Inflation is They're down. And No, it's not. They're full of crap. And, and, uh, and, and what's happening is 
I, the price of oil went back last week. It went back up to ninety three, ninety five dollars a barrel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the Fed keeps raising interest rates to where it's going to break the rest of the country, and not only break the rest of the country, break the real estate industry, break the banks. The banks are up uh, are up tight, and they don't want to lend any money because their their numbers are off because of what the interest rates did to them. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, got, I got to ask you one more thing, though. 60 seconds to go, John. I got to ask you about Trump, because Trump is in court every day. Clearly, he's become the target of a witch hunt from the AG, Letitia James. Now, now, John, you are one of the most successful people. Seriously, you're one of the most successful people in the country, in the world. And you live in New York, and you stay in New York. Trump moved to Florida, but a lot of his businesses are still here. And we are losing, you know this, we are losing millionaires, billionaires every day due to the crime, the taxes. We're losing them. We can't afford to lose people like Donald Trump and John Katsimatidis in New York. Yet the attorney general has put a bullseye on Trump's back because she doesn't like him personally, and he may lose all of it. How grotesque is that? Well, I I will tell you. I know uh, Letitia James for uh, a long time. Uh, we had our differences. But she was the city councilwoman when we were building Myrtle Avenue and all the buildings over there. But we ended up, you know, discussing things and loving each other. And in this particular case, I think uh, Letitia is wrong uh, because it's just, you know, Trump. Trump is a promoter. You ask him how much. How much is that building worth? He's going to say a billion dollars. <laughs> is any bank going to lend him a billion dollars based on what he's what he thinks? Absolutely not. You know, it's just you know, uh, Trump is Trump. He does what he does. He's, he 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 loves to to to, to expound uh, numbers, and I think the judge in this case. And I think Letitia in this case, and I love her dearly, is uh, is wrong about going after the president of the United States. I think our legal system in Washington uh, is uh, needs a lot of help because I don't know where, where ethics has has gone. Uh, we have Alan Dershowitz, like you do, on all the time, and he's a Harvard uh, uh, professor, and what our legal system is getting to. And you know what I'm disappointed in? All the smart attorneys, lawyers that don't stand up and all of them at the same time say it's wrong. Our legal system is going in the wrong direction. We're going in the direction of uh, a a third uh, rate country. And uh, the United States of America has always been you get an honest count. Yeah. That the, it's a faceless society. When you go into court, you're not supposed to see if, uh, who the person is. You go by the law. And it's not happening anymore, uh, Said No, well said. Hey, listen, John, uh, I love you. Thank you for uh, coming on this morning, kicking off this very special Bernie Remembrance Day. And I listen to both your shows, Cats and Cosby and the Cats Roundtable. They're both great. But more importantly, you're a terrific guy. Thank you very much for hopping on this morning. I'll see you later on this afternoon, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. Have a great show. You too, John. There he is, folks. Mr. Red Apple Media himself, 
the host of Cats and Cosby. That's 5 p.m. every weeknight and his terrific Sunday morning show, 8 a.m. The Cats Roundtable. That's my guy. That's my guy right there, John Katsimatidis. That wraps up hour number one. Thank you to Pete Morgan and John Katsimatidis. Big hour number two about to come your way, which includes Curtis Saliwa, Frank Morano, and Judge Andrew Napolitano. Bernie Remembrance Day continues with hour two of six hours of Sitting Friends in the Morning next. in the morning 77 wabc we believe the borders should remain open that's the official position of this city but we have made it clear there should be a decompression strategy that we could properly deal with the volumes that's coming into our city and no cities should have to carry the burden of a national of the national government Some action, but like Mick Jagger said, I can't get no satisfaction. The girls are all around, but none of them want to get with me. My threads are fresh, and I'm looking deaf. Yo, what's up, what a low The girls was all jockeying at the other end of the barn. Have a drink with some no name chump when they know that I'm the star. So I got up and strolled over to the other side of the cantina. I asked the guy, Why are you so fly? He said, Funky Cole Medina. Both Curtis Sliwa and Bernard McGurk love Tone Logue, so here you have a little funky Colmadina to start our number two of our six-hour Bernie Remembrance Extravaganza today. And I heard that piece of audio from the mayor, and I almost fell over. I mean, I just had Adams on last Thursday. The policy is, I've never heard about this policy, the policy is we want the borders open. Well, hold on a second. If you want the borders open, which we know you do, duh, we've been telling you that, then what are you critical about Joe Biden about? And by the way, how ironic is it that the mayor says the policy is we want open borders, which is destroying this city. My God, Adams, I am so disappointed in you. And yet Mayorkas, who should be put in prison, admitted yesterday things are so bad, so bad, He wants to build 20 miles of border wall. Folks, what in the name of God is going on? My man gets big ratings noon to one every weekday afternoon. Huge ratings, hosting overnights as well, but does his best work alongside me right here every weekday morning. And uh, I looked at his face when I played that cut. 
and he looked about as confused as I am, but he's seemingly has an answer why, Curtis. What what could he possibly mean by that? Well, he, you got to listen to what he says. I realize it's difficult you get vertical from all the contradictions of Eric Adams. He's all over the map. It's, uh, remember, he says his whole administration is pivot and shift, pivot and shift, which is the old-fashioned flip-flop. So he goes on record and he says, that's the official position of the city of New York, open borders. Where's that written? Is there yeah. a, Where? I thought the official position for the city of New York was doggy. Right. Because <laughs> we're taking it in the ass exactly. every day. Exactly. So you show, now, you would think the reporters, the reporters would hit him hard and say, where is it written that this is the official position of the city of New York that we support open borders? That's number one. Number two, he says that, oh, I'm going on a migrant discouragement tour, MDT. Last night in Mexico City, this guy was raising the roof. Now, how do I know, Pete? I have guardian angels in Mexico City. Of course you do. And so they notice that the mayor's entourage, uh, he's talking to business people, he's going to the Basilica, yeah, 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 like he knows who the hell the lady of Guadalupe is. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> you would ask him, who's the lady of Guadalupe? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, till 3 in the morning, he's raising the roof. Have you ever been to Mexico City? Oh, my God. Night life till the break of dawn, except you better have armed guards because they'll kidnap you, take you to the local ATM, and you have to keep withdrawing until that credit card is completely depleted. Or they chop your head off and hang you from a nearby bridge. That's the way it is in Mexico. And then he's going to come. You should be really the uh, like the Chamber of Commerce guy. Come yeah. to Mexico, and here's what you have to look forward exactly. to. No, it's We're going to rob you, rape you, or kill you. Right. You it's, sound like Donald Trump. It's a great <laughs> city, Mexico City. It's a great but city. But if you got money, you better be traveling, rolling strong that with armed great. guards. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know you're right, because I actually, for my 40th birthday, oh, my God, that was 16 years ago. For my 40th birthday, Danielle took us on a cruise to Mexico. I think we did Acapulco and Cancun. And I remember back then, 16 years ago, I was scared to death walking around in Cancun in the city. It just, it just looked sleazy. You know, the weather was great and people were banging tequila shots off their helmets. But my God, did it look brutal. Yeah. But you know, some we talk about like Lindsey Graham. Let's bomb Mexico to narco terrorists. You idiot. You know how many expats, expatriates of America now live down there? A lot. Yeah. In communities because they can live off of social security. You know how many Americans go there as tourists? Remember yeah. they say, don't go. Even Ted Cruz goes down there, I know. right? Yeah. I know. They all go. So last night I was at Russo's on the bed. You oh, know, I don't know. My, my good buddy Frankie bed. Russo. Yeah, I love yeah. Frankie Russo. And uh, Paul DiGiacomo, the head of the DEA, not the Drug Enforcement Agency, the Detectives and Dominant Agency. Not that any of those detectives remember you from your earlier days. You know, it's funny you say that because... <laughs> they gave me an award, which was absolutely ridiculous. Was that you like know? Elvis getting the uh, badge there from Richard Nixon Same from thing. the DEA? Yeah. Well, like Shaquille O'Neal, he got an honorary sheriff yes, badge yeah, one yeah. day. And all these guys are coming up in wheelchairs. I swear, Curtis, missing eyes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just unbelievable heroes. And they give me an award. And uh, I get up there, and you know me. I start to cry. I'm the John Bain on radio. I cry everything. Yeah, I cry. So the speech is over, and about 50 guys walk over to me. I'm not exaggerating, gentlemen. 50 guys. I got to tell you, that was the most beautiful speech I've ever heard. And one guy goes to me, and I know that we gave you a hard time because I've been arrested twice. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, yes, but I never got angry. 
Because I always knew it was my fault. I yeah, never well, held it against him. Yeah, you may not know this, Pete, but he was in that beat-up Lincoln with Joe Pepitone on Newport <laughs> and Rockaway <laughs> Avenue in Brownsville. When Joe gets busted with the I Miss Black Cowboy <laughs> hat on, he, he gets cuffed. He's walking into the 73rd Precinct Brownsville, and he didn't deny it. He said, yeah, I got a problem. Yeah. I got a problem. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, so while I was there last night at Russo's on the Bay, you were not in Queens, I believe... You're with a dear friend of mine, a councilwoman in Brooklyn. Is that yes. right? Yeah, I went to her meeting, her monthly meeting, Republicans at the Knights of Columbus. And You're talking I, about Inna Vernikoff. Yes, Inna Vernikoff, uh, because I had uh, come up with some bad news about Manhattan Beach. I'll get to it momentarily. But I took the train at King's Highway. What a horrible train station that is now that's now, surrounding that, now, area. Now, when I was a kid on East 16th Street and, and King's Highway, yeah, that yeah. was my train. I lived on East 22nd oh, and that Quentin. Was, that was great. Uh, it was the D train and the Q train back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Is that what it still is? Uh, of course. Of course. So you get off there, right? And then I'm walking around there, and the guy's nodding out, you know, dope fiends. You never saw that before. On, on King's Highway? Yeah, there's garbage, there's graffiti, there's empty buildings. I, I thought it I thought it went basically Russian. It was doing okay. But it is still mostly Russian, Asian, but still. Dirty. I mean, dirty. Oh. Dope, and the smell of, of weed everywhere. I know. I was uh, getting a secondary high, and then I walked down Quentin Road towards Notion. I always walked. By my house. Right. East 22nd and Quentin. You Madison, my house. Madison High School right there. And I said, this is where socialism started in America. Bernie the Altacaca Sanders. <laughs> the worst of America and the best. Cousin Brucey went to Madison High uh, School. You can also add to the bad list of Bernie Sanders, Chuck Schumer. Yes. And add to the good list. Norm Coleman, yes. my first cousin. And let's add to the bad list. Oh, uh, one more good one for you. Roy though. DeMeo. Oh, yes, uh. Roy DeMeo. But one more good one for you, a man that you idolized. I can't believe you left him out. Madison High School. You ready, Curtis? Yes. Marty Glickman. Marty Glickman, that's right. <laughs> and then Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> Did he go there? Yes. He didn't go to Sheepshead? No, I'm pretty sure Andrew Dice okay. Clay went there. Uh, okay. Right. And then, of course, we got to come in with the woman. Justice Ginsburg went there. She did. A lot of Ruth. people went there. Yes. Wow. My mother went there. The great Naomi Rosenberg oh, went to right. Madison. What a, what a great football field. <laughs> Unlike the old New Utrecht football oh, field. Oh, that was the worst. The well, Sheepshead was all rocks. Yes, exactly. Yes. Actually, now, the nicest football field is Midwood. But they played their home games at Morrow High School. Yes. They built a nice football field right yeah, there. And, and anyway, so I walk in, nice Columbus, place is packed. Good Republican club. And uh, Ina Vernikoff said, Curtis, let our people know what's going to happen. I said, Manhattan Beach. You know, that day, earlier in the day, I had looked at the location. They're going to put up a tent for a 1,000 single, able-bodied young men of military age with nothing to do, nowhere to go, right on the baseball field next to the soccer field, uh, right there before you enter Kingsborough uh, 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 Junior Community College. college. Yeah. Well, we call it Junior College. We call it K by the Bay. Who refused <laughs> to give uh, the great Sid Rosenberg... Uh, and a great alumni award because he said, Jew! That's right. They wouldn't let me speak at the commencement. They wanted me to do the commencement address. Jeff Lax is a gentleman's name. He's a professor there. Yes. And they said no because, like you know, as Curtis said, because I'm a Jew. <sighs> they Imagine, you're surrounded by Jews. Like uh, nine out of every ten people living on Manhattan Beach are reformed, conservative, yeah. orthodox. Syrians, a lot of Syrians. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. It's like... Uh, yeah. Hazit, Hazit. It's like the Brooklyn version of Deal, New Jersey, yeah. right? <laughs> Million-dollar mansions. They're going to pop a tent right there. And so her aide gets up and he says, and I want you to know, 
City Hall said Curtis is a liar, a serial liar. It's not going to happen. I said, you know something? People, you want to believe Eric Adams, who's playing the race card on everybody, or you want to be believe me, who's Sid Rosenberg, and then when I mention your name, you give a ovation, <laughs> listen to Sid every morning, yeah. yeah. He goes, Sid says I'm 95% right. Now. 98, I changed it. Oh, 98. Okay. I amended it to 98. So who are you going to believe? So believe it or not, there was still some altercatas in there. Yeah, but you know, he wears nice schmatas, you know, he's always smiling. I said, okay. You believe him, and when the tent is there, there's nothing you can do. You got to organize now, like we did the night before in Bay Ridge. And we had the mother of all demonstrations. They want to pop three. One in Bay Ridge, one in Diker Heights, and one in your beloved Ford Hamilton next to Poly Prep. Right there? Right next to the football field on the other side oh, as you go not, towards not, the hospital. But not in, you were not in, like, Jumani Williams' apartment. No, 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 of course not. <laughs> oh, my God. But you understand, I'm out there. I'm like Paul Revere. And you get some of six people, they're out the chakras. Oh, he's, he's such a nice guy. You know, I met him one time. He shook my hand. Like, you've never had your hand shook by a black man before? What is wrong <laughs> with you? And you think all of a sudden he's going to be nice to you? You're a cracker. That's what I said. And they're like, oh, oh, oh. So I had to straighten him out. Ina Vernikov, great. Uh, she was very receptive. I she's going to win. Right? She's going to win easily. Yeah, yeah, right? I'm campaigning for her on so many other people. And I know she's also in the Ari Kagan camp as well, obviously, yes, over Ari Justin Kagan. Brandon. Oh, we yes. got we got to do this because the Democrats, remember, if, if your uh, leader, Eric Adams, says the official position of the city of New York is open borders, you got to wear it. You got to go out there and campaign on it because I'm going to smash it right in your face. 60 seconds to go. Uh, Bernie loved you. He did. And by the way, we loved Kubi too. In fact, when we first came here and we did our contracts, I got us, I got our contracts done. Bernie had no idea what to do. So my agent at the time was Heather Cohen and, uh, Heather did the, the contracts and, uh, Kubi reached out and said, listen, let me look at them pro bono. And let me make sure everything's okay. And he did that. We appreciated that. But Bernie had his run-ins with Kobe quite a bit, as you know. But not you. He loved you. Uh, he always thought you were the real hero, as I've come to find is absolutely true. So today, he's uh, gone one year. Anything you want to say about your friend Bernard? Absolutely. Remember, uh, Sid, he came into the side room where I prepared for my show, and he sat one-on-one with me because he knows I had prostate cancer I made the worst decision in the world to have my prostate out. I paid for it every day. What year was that, Kurt? Every day. This is uh, about 2000. Whoa, I'd say two two years ago. Two years ago. Right, two years ago. Yeah. And he described to me everything he was going through, and I knew it had metastasized. He had waited too late. And I said, you better get your butt into a hospital he fiddle-faddled out in Long Island. They did a number of procedures to him that uh, set him back. Well, they destroyed his anus. Right. The man, I mean, it's a horrible thing. Oh, could, he couldn't sit he couldn't for sit, the final yeah. year. I yeah, mean, it's terrible. terrible. And then finally he came into the city to get better treatment, but it was too late. And the poor guy in his final year suffered. He never got the PSA blood test. Guys, you got to get the test. Secondly, women out there, you got to be a nudge. You got to be a nag. I give you permission to be a black widow spider because you let your husband or your boyfriend know I will be a black widow spider if you don't get the test. And then use all the other therapies. Do not, under any circumstance, get your prostate taken out unless all other measures fail because you 
are going to be impotent, incontinent, and you're going to be wearing a diaper, a Depends diaper, for the rest of your life. And they never tell you that. They me, never tell you that. You're right. Do me a favor. When uh, the doctor comes in later on today, and we're going to have uh, this uh, really big-time doctor, his name, folks, is uh, Sean Zimberg. He's the medical director of radiation oncology at Advanced Radiation Centers of New York. He's going to be in in the 10 o'clock hour. I want to invite you back uh, specifically for the 10 and 1040 segments to talk to him about your experiences, what you know, and have a good conversation because you've been there. Bernie, love you. Would you do that for me today? Oh, absolutely. Thank and you. Bernie, remember, came out of the Monroe Housing Projects. He was the white shadow there. It was all black at the time. Wesley Snipes came out of there. You show me a white guy because they called him a racist. Remember, they called him a freaking racist. This guy grew up in the projects with black people. Uh, when I campaigned for mayor, I was at the Monroe Housing Projects. The older black woman would say, how's Bernie? He was so, he's so great. He taught some of our, our children how to read. He was always reading books. They put that big R on him. Well, that was really Al Sharpton. I mean, uh, Sharpton, yeah. Don't and forget. Obama. Let's not forget oh, Barack yes. Obama. Yes. And when he went up to Boston, and I remember I was there in the morning. Yeah. They were interviewing me, and they said Bernie was going to come up here and be the co-host. And Barack Obama and Al Slim Shady Sharpton said, you... You hire that racist, we're going to boycott all your advertisers. Well, after the Rutgers incident, we were all labeled that. Don't forget, Spike Lee went on the Oprah Winfrey show and went after me. And then my gig at uh, Seton Hall University was canceled because they all called me a racist, too. So all of us, me, Bernard, Imus, the whole crew fell into that uh, unfortunate and lying umbrella after the Rutgers incident. So, anyway. That's right. But to Bernie, man, you are a stand-up guy. Toughest white guy ever in the radio talk show business, without a doubt. And you were the victim of that. <laughs> you want to hear something funny, Curtis? Last Tuesday, three uh, two days ago, October 3rd, 2003 was actually Fear at the Pier. 20 years ago, two days ago, Bernie destroyed me at Chelsea Pier. So you got to wrap this up. We're going to talk to both Frank Morano and Judge Andrew Napolitano this hour with a boatload of guests to come. I'm on until noon today. This Bernie Remembrance Day, Curtis Leva, has always an amazing job. We'll be right back. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. The president got some, uh, he got some big endorsements uh, from athletes. Uh, Brett Favre, Jay Cutler, Jack Nicholas over the weekend. And we talked about all the ra- black rappers who are actually endorsing President Trump. One of them was uh, Lil Wayne. And, and I want to play this clip of Lil Wayne because I know a lot of people say, wow, he's a real uh, skanky looking dude. Yes. Uh, listen to him. He, uh, <laughs> when he was 12 years old, he, he accidentally shot himself during a party with a bunch of kids doing drugs what, Drugs when he was 12 years old. Listen to what he said about that incident. At the age of 12 years old, I shot myself. Police knocked on the door. I was right there. They knocked the door down. Everybody jumped over my body to go get the guns and drugs and whatever they could find. It took one guy to stop right there and cuss everybody that hopped over me out. Brought me to the hospital. He didn't drop me off at the ambulance and say, you take him. He brought me to the hospital room and made two and stood there and waited until the doctor said he's going he's gonna to make it. He said, don't worry, my name's Uncle Bob. He was white as snow. The that hopped over me was blacker than me. Was he a cop? 
Yeah, he was a cop, but my life was saved by a white man. I don't know what racism is. Now, if that doesn't move you, nothing will move you. Uh, look, that's incredible. That, that's, a, that, that's what the cops, the police officers do on a daily basis. They save black lives, white lives, all kinds of lives. Now we both love this song. Roll down the windows, baby, head towards the New York State Quickway and drop me off at 104 Monticello. Go see my mother, Naomi. A little Bernie Remembrance State boy, and he's right about that. I, I received an award last night, Paul the Giacomo, the DEA, and saw all the guys there last night. Bo Deedle, Jack French, all these great cops and detectives were there last night. And... um you know, I, I make these speeches all the time. I, For some reason, you know, whether it's the Silver Shields, the Silver Shields gave me and Bernard an award. Bernard was still alive back then. He was sick at that point, I remember, because I accepted it on behalf, of, on behalf of both of us. And this one, of course, last night from the DEA was, was ours, sitting friends in the morning. But Bernard and I were, were always, always as pro-cop as any radio host could ever be from day one. And none of these cops ever forget that, none of them. So that was a nice little piece on uh, why I continue and why we, me and Bernie, received all these awards all these years, and we're both very, very proud of that. And we've got a big event coming up here at the station. We call it Back to Blue. We do it every year. Big deal. They put up a beautiful tent, I guess a tent, I guess. And uh, it's an outdoor deal. It's right on 3rd Avenue, 49th Street. And a lot of the big-time police guys come down. I know I've spoken to the commissioner, Eddie Caban. He's going to try to be here. Even the mayor is going to try to be here. But we get some big-time folks. It's not about politics that day. It's not about bail reform or Democrats, scumbags, blah, blah, blah. It's about the men and women in blue, the courageous men and women in blue that put their lives on the line every day. I said this last night during my acceptance speech. I said, um... I have rough days, you know. Rough days. Maybe the show wasn't as good, although it's always great. But maybe it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Maybe my wife, sorry, ladies, maybe she's breaking my balls that day, you know. Maybe the Giants suffered an embarrassing loss. But my rough day, compared to the guys I saw last night sitting in wheelchairs, because they were shot five times, stabbed four times, and somehow managed to survive... Looks pretty silly compared to what these men go through. And I made it very clear last night, much like Tunnel to Towers. You know, I just spoke to a lady two days ago out of Port St. Lucie. Her husband was traveling in a Humvee in Iraq. And it exploded in 2004. And he lost his arms and his legs. And he survived 14 years until he finally succumbed to the blood clots to the injuries in 2018. That's a rough day. The gentleman I saw last night, that's a rough day. Now I kind of feel badly when I bitch about stuff, because until you see this, whether it's these brave souls at the DEA dinner last night, or Tunnel to Towers, or a host of other groups, you need to put stuff in its proper perspective, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. And nights like last night do that. And Bernie and I never, ever, ever forgot that. And he's gone now. But I'm here, 
to continue to deliver the message. And I do it proudly. Judge Andrew Napolitano is coming up next. He's here every Thursday. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Adam Duritz, Counting Crows. This is one of the greatest albums ever. August and Everything After Anna Begins. Same album that's got round here. Mr. Jones, Rain King, Murder of One, Perfect Blue Buildings. It's a great album. A lot more to come, folks. Just trust me. The one guy you don't want to miss today coming up in about 20 minutes, Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman. I had a conversation with Bernard's wife, Carol, yesterday, and she asked me to do something, which is way above my pay grade, mind you. But I still got it done, kind of, because I'm Sid. So I contacted Bruce, and he's going to come on at 10 after 8 and talk about what's going on. I can't give you any more details. Warner Wolf, Connell McShane, Nancy Grace, Nancy Mace, Carly Shimkus, Mike Breen, Joseph Abood, Corey Zelnick, and Frank Morano. Still to come. But every Thursday at this time, we bring this man on, a media giant. Days at Fox News and all those days on IMIS. Now doing a great job with me here and also has his own podcast. He has, I think, uh, 50 billion listeners. He's the great Judge Andrew Napolitano. Judge Knapp, good morning, buddy. How are you? Uh, good morning, Sid. How are you, my dear friend? I'm uh, always great, especially on a Thursday when I get a chance to talk to you. And there's so much to talk about, but I only have about 10 minutes. Let me get to it quickly. And then the last, this morning because of Bernie, I can't stop thinking of him. And I'm thinking of all those times that I must try to bite my head off and Bernie (laughs) came to my defense. (laughs) It's true. No, he was, he was great at that. He would actually warn, whether it was Phil Sims or Jim Nance or Donald Trump or you, he would warn him and people would call and go, Hey, Bern, how's the Iron Man today? And Bernie would be like, what do you mean? He's a prick as always. But he, right, but he'd be like, but he's not as bad today or he's worse today. And he kind of let you guys know what to expect, right? God, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of the studio at Fox Business when the Iron Man did his, this show, uh, simulcast television and radio. I'd walk in that studio and Bernie would give me a hand signal like, (laughs) put your armor on today. Yeah. Well, I know. Listen, I was, I was in the belly of that beast for many, many years in the old, 
Correct. Yeah, forget, forget about Bob's business and the old studios in Astoria. Well, Bernie and Lou would be on the other side of the glass, and I'd be sitting there with Charles and Imus, and it was terrifying. <laughs> but but I will tell you that all those years with Bernie and Lou and and uh, Rob and Larry and all those guys, you know, really got me to where I am today because the I-Man, as much as we badmouthed and make fun of him, because he really was an asshole, he, uh, he taught me an awful lot. He did. And uh, he was a great, great radio guy, just a horrible human being. But anyway, uh, Judge, let's get to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to I'm Donald sorry Trump. to say, but what you're saying is for the most part true. <laughs> I know. And no one knew it better than Bernie, trust me. Let's get to Trump. I, I, you know, I actually sent a Lara text a couple of days ago. So I remember, you know, I cry over everything. You know that, Judge. But I actually cried three mornings ago when I saw Judge uh, Donald Trump walk into that ridiculous civil courtroom with that judge who hates him and Letitia James, who hates him. This is far and away the most glaring, the most glaring example of a personal vendetta, maybe worse than McCarthy and Gates, than I've ever seen. I'm sorry to say that I agree with you, and I say I'm sorry because I am a child of the judicial system. I was raised in it. I participated in it. I made my bones in it. I, I tried, you know, 150 jury trials, sentenced thousands of people. I understand the way judges work and the way judges think. People are entitled to a judge who is neutral, not a judge who said in public that the defendant is a bad guy. Whatever you think of Trump, love him, hate him, good guy, bad guy, monster saint, somewhere in between. No one should have to sit in front of a judge who is the judge and the jury who once said the defendant is a bad guy. I understand why people are going after him. That mentality should exclude him from hearing this case. It's too late to change it now, so they have to exploit that mentality, remind him what he once said, force him to separate himself from he once said what he once said, do the best they can, and then have neutral judges uh, on appeal. But it's a terrible situation uh, that he's in. They did make a mistake, Trump's lawyers, about not asking for a jury. Now, <clears throat> the statute says no jury. The statute is unconstitutional because the U.S. Constitution says, you ready for this, Bernie? If more than $20 is involved in dispute, and we're talking about a couple of billion here. Yeah, yeah. Entitled to a jury everywhere yeah. in the United States. The New York State Legislature. This is not Letitia James or Kathy Hochul. This is 100 uh, years ago. Right. Um, uh, said no jury. Nevertheless, Trump's lawyers should have challenged the statute. Judge, the statute's unconstitutional. We respect you, but we want a jury. They failed to do that. By failing to do it. They waived their right to appeal that issue. That's a significant mistake Trump's lawyers made. Trump himself pointed that mistake out outside the courtroom yesterday before he left. You know, uh, you're on this show every Thursday, and you're great. You know that. You and I are very, very close. Joe Tacopina loves you. He said uh, during the last commercial break, uh, your next guest coming up is my favorite on the show besides me. That's what Joe Tacopina said. But That's you would think fun. after coming on this show every Thursday – that you would know that I'm Sid. Bernie's dead. I'm here. And uh, you call me Bernie anyway, so. It's, it's, 
<laughs> it no, happens all I the time. Know. No, it's, you know, Rudy no, Giuliani called. Well, Rudy Giuliani. Pretty well educated guy. I love the two of you. I can't get Bernie out of my head. Today. No, I'm, gl- I'm glad that's the case, especially today. Rudy called me Bernie for like the first six months. It's fine. Uh, I, I, I'm all, all too happy to be uh, called by him. He's a, he's a terrific man. Uh, now, Letitia James, this is a horrible person. I know Katz Matidis is friends with her, and God bless John. No one loves John more than me. But there is not one likable, redeemable factor about this lady. She's a racist. She's agenda-driven. She's biased. She's bought. She's gross. And for her to stand out there yesterday and act as if she's the victim, you're not going to bully me. The Trump show is over. Wait a second. You're destroying this man's life because you don't like him. That's it. She has to be the most detestable person God ever created, ever. It's a defect in the system, Sid, where judges and prosecutors and the attorney general and the state of New York run for office and they make promises. Uh, We have a much better system in New Jersey. Everybody is uh, scrutinized by teams of lawyers. They examine your your thinking. They examine your legal work. They examine the documents you've written uh, and authored. And then the governor decides if you're going to be appointed. In New York, the people get what they want. They wanted a political hack to go after Trump, and that's what they got. That doesn't make it right. It's not right, but that is the system in New York. Uh, Trump's vindication will come in two places. One, at the ballot box in 2024. He'll have the last say and the last laugh. Two, in an appellate court, much more removed from politics than this present courtroom environment is. Now I want to move to this uh, whole Matt Gates. I'm going to have Nancy Mace, who's uh, everyone knows, of course, we're very, very close. I spoke to Nancy about 1030 last night. I'm on record. I told her flat out. I said you made a huge mistake. Now, look, to her credit, she was in studio here on Monday. Maybe you heard it. She was in town to do the view. And I said, yeah. you know, this uh, government shutdown vote is coming up and this idiot Matt Gates. And she said, whoa, 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 I agree with Matt Gates. So Nancy told my audience Monday before that she was agreeing with Gates. So I'm not sure anybody was surprised. But even with that said, I said, Nancy, you made a horrible mistake. And she tried to explain to me why she didn't, talking about budgets and deficits. And I don't care about any of that. All I know is you had a guy who was trying, a Republican, and you cut his balls off and sided with the Democrats. I don't understand why these eight people can't get it, no matter what Newt Gingrich says or Sid Rosenberg or maybe you. Why don't they get that? As Sid, we are not on the same side as uh, on this. I cheered those uh, eight people on. Kevin McCarthy is a uh, is a Democrat pretending to be a Republican. The legislation that he pushed through was exactly the same as what Mrs. Pelosi put through. I may not like Gates' technique, and I may not like his style, and I may not like his bravado. But what is the value of Republicans taking the House? If they're going to vote like Democrats, we need serious conservative and libertarian leadership in the Republican Party that will challenge Joe Biden, not work with Joe Biden, but challenge him. Kevin McCarthy was too much of an accommodationist, and he made this secret plan uh, to uh, to aid Ukraine, trying to uh, to work with the Democrats and dupe the conservative Republicans. He deserved to go. All right, fine. And I'm okay with that opinion. I mean, I don't agree with it, but you're much smarter than me. But here's what you can't argue. I'm sorry, you just can't. Whether you like the move or not, there is no way in any decision anywhere in the world that 4% should trump 
96%. That makes that, no sense. That I agree with you. The the system is is crazy. There are, I'll tell you how crazy it is. The Democrats voted in lockstep. There are a lot of moderate Democrats that I know that admire Kevin McCarthy and were happy with him as speaker because he is an accommodationist. He accommodates uh, the Democrats. They were afraid to vote for him because of what leadership would do to them. Leadership is way, way too powerful, and each individual member of uh, Congress uh, is too insignificant. They don't vote their consciences. For the most part, they vote the way leadership tells them. You are great. You are great. You know, this is why Takapina loves you. I love you. Now, don't say hello to Bill O'Reilly. He's in England visiting his son at Oxford. He's not listening. (laughs) (laughs) He's in a pub somewhere. Uh, Joe Takapina is the best cross-examiner I've ever seen. His cross-examinations are textbook, yeah. and they should be studied in yeah. law schools. What if Arthur Idala came on and said that uh, you're also his favorite uh, uh, guest? Would you say the same thing about him? Arthur Idala is a great, a great lawyer. If I were ever in trouble, I'd call the two of them, and whichever came to me first would represent me. <laughs> but what if, what if, like in Miami today, Jose Baez said nice things about you? <laughs> God, I haven't seen him in years. <laughs> no, I just thought about him because Casey Casey Anthony, right? And and oh and, and by the way, that? Nancy Grace is going to join me at eight forty this morning because Bill is out Nancy of town. And I worked together thirty years ago at Court TV. I love Nancy. She's great, and uh, she, of course, yes. was all over that Casey Anthony case, and now, of course, this young girl that they found, thank God, alive in that park up in upstate New York. Judge, you're great. I love you. Thank you so much. Seriously, thank you. All, thank you. All the best, uh, Bernie. And, and uh, I, You did it again. The best kid. I know Bernie here. Son of a bitch. You <laughs> are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Judge. Thank you very much, Judge uh, Ito. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. This ain't a song for the broken hearted. Little Bon Jovi for you as we start hour number three of our six-hour Bernie Remembrance special here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. I'll be with you through 12 
No Brian Kilmeade today. And got some special guests coming up those last two hours. Really looking forward to speaking to Dr. Sean Zimberg. He's the medical director of radiation oncology at Advanced Radiation Centers of New York. And Nancy Mace, she's going to be here at 1030. Right now there's a, a battle, it looks like, between two of my good friends, Jim Jordan out of Ohio and Steve Scalise out of Louisiana to replace Kevin McCarthy as the next speaker. And then in the 11 o'clock hour, we're going to talk to Mike Breen, the great voice of the New York Knicks and the NBA, of course. And uh, in studio, Joseph Aboot and Corey Zelnick. So lots to come in those final two hours, but more to come in these next two hours. And I told you all morning long that the highlight of today's show, and this is not to minimize any other guests, they're all great, but the Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman, who's become a very good friend of mine, and it's very quick to admit, mind you, that one of the reasons why he won, if not the main reason why he won, was because, well, I endorsed him and went to all of his events, him and Ann Donnelly, and I got him over the finish line. He knows that. <laughs> but I got a call from Carol McGurk yesterday, Bernard's wife, I love, and she asked me if I can get something done for Bernard, way over my pay grade. I mean, way over it, you know. I know a lot of people. <laughs> I do. So what did I do? I called Bruce. And um, I said, hey, Bruce, what do you think? And the next 10 minutes, I stood there on the line for the ferry with my mouth wide open because I couldn't believe what Bruce and Nassau County was ready, willing, and able to do for our friend Bernie. And then... um Bruce said, my guy Chris is going to call you later on today. And about 4.30 yesterday afternoon, Chris did, in fact, call me just to confirm what Bruce and I talked about and let me know that Bruce will be here this morning. And with all that said, here he is. This is a good man, the Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman. Bruce, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. And condolences again. You know, it's the one-year anniversary of not only your colleague, but your friend, Bernie, who was uh, a really, really kind and very, very talented individual. And uh, we keep him in our prayers here in Nassau County. You certainly do. And I know that uh, because of all the times that you spent with me and Bernard and the events. But really, Bruce, when I called you yesterday and asked about what Carol was looking for, and without any hesitation, you said, well, let me do this, let me do that. I it was so beautiful and so nice. So I'm going to let you tell the listening audience. Bernie, of course, was a Nassau County resident. His family still lives there, you know, Long Beach, Atlanta, all that. And he loved living there. He loved it. In fact, he, he convinced me, finally, to move to the beach, which I've done in, uh, in Rockaway. He loved living there, and he loved you. So let the listeners know about our conversation yesterday and what you, as the head of Nassau County, what you're about to do for the McGurk family. Well, Sid, Long Beach uh, has a warm spot in my heart because that's where my dad grew up. He went to Long Beach High School, then he went off to serve in World War II. So, uh, and then my grandfather was the most wonderful man. He lived right on the boardwalk. So Long Beach is very important to me and my family. And Bernie McGurk was one of the outstanding citizens of Long Beach. He loved Long Beach. It's a wonderful city right on the ocean and the bay. Uh, and it's a, a place where hardworking people go to live a life and to enjoy life with safety and comfort and to be at the beach, uh, one of the most healthiest communities in the United States. And Nassau County, it's home to 1.5 million people. 
It's larger than 10 states. So uh, it, it's a place where, you know, it has some importance. So I, I want everybody to know the importance of today. And, you know, Bernie was, uh, his funeral was held at St. Patrick's Cathedral. You got to be, you got to be a very uh, prominent citizen to get your funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral. So I thought the appropriate thing to do today was as county executive by the power vested in me today throughout all of Nassau County, I am going to proclaim this to be Bernie McGurk Day in Nassau County. You know, I, uh, I said I wasn't going to cry today, and uh, now you got me. Uh, you told me this yesterday, and I, and I called Danielle right away, and I said, um, I just spoke to Bruce, and he's going to make uh, tomorrow Bernie McGurk Day. And she said, my God, that is, that is so beautiful. And, and then I called Carol. Bernie's wife, and I, and I told her the same thing, and she was, she was blown away. You know, she's she's still having a very tough time, Bruce. Uh, she's not going to be on the show today. Neither are Bernard's children. She actually told Danielle she sat with us at the gala, where we celebrated 102 years of WABC Radio. When she said to Danielle, she said, "You know, I'm still in denial, and there are mornings I wake up and I tell myself, Bernie's on vacation." He'll be home tomorrow just to get through the day. And that's basically how she's lived. But when I told her this, what you were doing here today, yesterday, I have to tell you, Bruce, that she was really happy. Well, look, we're we're very, very pleased to do it. I'm going to send her the citation, the official citation, with the proclamation. And uh, I just wanted to know that there are people that come up to me all the time, all the time, and say, hey, you know, Bernie McGurk used to say really nice things about you. And, you know, he and Sid, they were very complimentary to you. And you know what, Sid, you said it. If it wasn't for you and Bernie, I don't know if I would have won. <laughs> no, no, you, you, guys, you had you guys, a great race. Really, no. Yeah, but you know what? Pe- people trusted you and Bernie because you guys are authentic. You know, you don't always agree with what Sid and Bernie have to say because sometimes you guys say some outrageous things. But you're authentic. And I think people appreciate that. And and they like that, you know, in this society nowadays, I have yet to meet one woke person that has a sense of humor. It's like <laughs> they're trying to they're trying to strip America of, yeah. of any kind of sense of humor. Yeah, you're right about that. And and yes, we, we did love you. And, and look, we, well, Laura Kern is a very, very good friend of ours and we love her, too. But we really wanted you to win. You know, first of all, unfortunately for Laura, she was kind of sided with Todd Kaminsky. Nobody hated Todd Kaminsky more than Bernard. And then, like I said, when I went to all of your events, and I went to many with you and Ann Donnelly, you were so good that I knew you'd be a great county executive. And you are. You're great. And I actually think you'll go on to bigger and better one day. Although this is a very, very important job, like you said, Nassau County, bigger than 10 states. The other thing we talked about, you and I, and I'll kind of let the cat out of the bag, is uh, Carol said to me yesterday, she said, Sid, do you think there's a chance? I've tried to do it, but I can't do it. But if anyone can do it, Sid, it's you, which I was really humbled by. You think there's a chance we can get Bernard's name on one of the benches on the boardwalk? And that was the impotence for the call to you, and I had no idea you were going to call this Bernie McGurk Day. And uh, you told me about the benches, and you can tell the listening audience why that's going to be difficult, and you offered something else, which once again, Bruce Blakeman was above and beyond beautiful. Yes, so um, Long Beach has benches, and you can purchase uh, a memorial for a loved one that you lost. But when I checked into it about a month ago, 
Um, they were full at the time. Now, they may have purchased more benches in the meantime. So I'll talk to the city officials and see if they still have benches that we can memorialize Bernie on the bench because a lot of people, the boardwalk was a big part of their life. They like to walk the boardwalk. It's a healthy thing to do. And what a beautiful view of the Atlantic Ocean here which, in which, which Bernie did, by the way, every day, whether he walked or rode his bike and during COVID worked out. He worked out outdoors on the boardwalk. He loved that boardwalk, Bruce, loved it. Yeah, so it, if they have the benches, we'll get that done. But if, if they're already sold out of all their benches, I'll nominate Bernie to have uh, uh, a street plaque put up uh, that will you know, signify uh, that uh, he was an important part of Nassau County history, uh, a very accomplished man and a very kind man and someone who was a real patriot. So you're telling me that while you're still trying to get the bench thing done, that you are, and I know you've already done this, I know you've already looked into different streets that lead towards the beach, much like we renamed 129th Street in my neighborhood after the brave firefighter Timothy Klein who died last year. You're telling me that you are going to rename a street by that beach that Bernie loved so much after Bernie. Yeah, yeah, I'm going wow. to nominate it. There's a process you have to go through, but I will definitely nominate Bernie. Wow. And uh, and we will we will try to get it done. We'll make sure one way or the other, we are going to make sure that there's an appropriate memorial to Bernie McGurk. And uh, he certainly deserves it. And uh, I'll have my team working on it today. They'll get moving on it. And uh, we'll try to get it done. Either the bench to sign or um, we'll use our um, ingenuity and come up with something else that's uh, that's appropriate. But I think the street sign. You have to get the uh, approval of the people who live on the street. Gotcha. Uh, but I think right. I think that yeah. they would be. Yeah. Um, I know I know I would be honored to have Bernie McGurk's right. name on we'll my just, street. We'll just don't go to Todd Kaminsky's block. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think uh, Todd would uh, would vote for that. No, probably not. Uh, let me just uh, say this in all seriousness on behalf of all of us here at WABC who love Bernard. Uh, my family, he's a family member of mine, and certainly Carol and his two beautiful children and, and his grandson. He's got a little grandson now, Colin. We all want to thank you for going above and beyond. You don't have to do any of this. And uh, it took you three seconds to um, to do all of this. So we all want to thank you and tell you how much we love you. You're a great Nassau County executive. You're an even better man. Bruce Blakeman, thank you so much. Well, we love Bernie and we love you, Sid. Thank you. I love you, too. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman. So if you're in Nassau County this morning, Peter King and uh, Joe Cairo, Anthony D'Esposito, all my friends out there, Umberto's, ladies and gentlemen, please celebrate today. It is officially and has been since 6 o'clock this morning when they put it on the website. That's a fact. For the last two and a half hours, it has been Bernard McGurk Day in Nassau County. Thank you, Bruce. We'll be right back.
Radio 77 WABC. Oi! This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. for you, 8.32 now on your Thursday morning. Again, a real special thanks to Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman, who moments ago told you what he told me yesterday, which made me cry yesterday and cry on air again today, that today is Bernard McGurk Day in Nassau County. That's a big deal. And that they are efforting to name a street down by the beach after my friend Bernie. It was funny, my, my wife Danielle said to me last night, she goes, uh, you know, when you die, what do you think they'll do for you? And I said, nothing. They'll do nothing. Like like when I almost died. I, mean, I think we played one cut from Charles McCord, and and that was about it. That was, that was plenty, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> one cut too many? Uh, one cut too many. You don't think we're going to do anything for you? Well, I'll be gone anyway, so it won't matter. You, don't, don't... You, you think you'll die before me? Yes. I don't know about no, that. No. You, I'm going. Really? Yeah, I'm older than you first. You are older, but I've done a lot more damage to my body. I mean, you're a drunk, but I did more drugs. Well, well, thanks for not beating around the bush and getting right <laughs> Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. You're Irish. You're, you're a drunk. <laughs> yeah, because all Irish are drunks. Well, I didn't That's say right. that. You yes. did. So, you know, I, I just, uh, I was talking to Ernie and Anastas last week, and I said, your newscast was my favorite, not because, like Lou, I was in love with Michelle Marsh, with Dave Jennings, but uh, I loved Warner, and and I just brought up Warner's name Two weeks ago, I was watching the Dolphins and the Broncos, and Warner would have said this. If you had Miami, and uh, excuse me, if you had Denver and 49 and a half, you You lost lost. 70 to 20. And I always do that with Warner. Yep. And then, of course, I worked with Warner on the IMAS show, and I love the guy. And I believe he's the greatest sports news guy in the history of that job. I like Scott Clark. He's a friend, and these other guys. No one's like... Warner Wolf. With that said, and Bernie loved him too, live from Florida, I think he's out of prison now, is uh, <laughs> is the great Warner Wolf. Good morning, Warner. Well, that was very nice of you. I accept the nomination. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You're, uh, you're a legend. And Bernie, would, Bernie and I would always talk about that. The one thing about you, uh, Warner, though, that above and beyond, you're, you're smart. I mean, very smart guy. I mean, your political pens are stupid sometimes, but that's fine. Uh, and all the sports that you know, you've got an unbelievably great sense of humor. Great. Well, first I want to say uh, if Lou, if Lou uh, Rafino keeps playing that kind of music, he is going to die first. <laughs> 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 uh, 
that's a classic <laughs> song right there, Ron Warner. Uh, but, but in all seriousness, we, we had so many laughs. You know, those Friday shows when uh, Imus would take off, which was a godsend, and it would yeah. be, uh, you know, Bernie, Connell, you, me. We had, a, we had a great time. But that whole yeah. stay with Bernie, I, I know, Warner, I know you loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, it, it, the truth is, just like uh, Charles McCord before Bernie, Charles and Bernie did all the research of the guests for Imus and provided Imus with all the questions for the guests. Now, certainly you'd have to say Imus knew how to ask the questions. He was a master at that. Yes. But he, he relied on Bernie and Charles to give him all the information. He, he would have had a, a tougher time without those two guys. And, uh, you know, don't forget uh, Charles... <laughs> Worked with him for 35 years, and most of the time never had a computer. That's how long ago he goes. And then Bernie picked up exactly where Charles left off, and that was the key. So Imus never missed a beat because it was Bernie replacing Charles. Yeah, and and Bernie was also, uh, like you point out, uh, with Bernie. Uh, he, he was also the one who could go up against Imus on the air and take up for the rest of it. Well, he could only if he was in character. And what I mean by that is if he's doing a cardinal bit, he can call Imus every name in the book and Don oh, yeah. acquiesce. But if, God forbid, Bernie, not doing a character, did that, Imus would chew his ass off. And, and Bernie couldn't stand that about Don. But you're right. I mean, you know, and certainly Connell played a part in when Charles left as well. I am interested, Warner, uh, all those great years doing sports here, the competition, television. Are you still doing sports down in Florida? What's what's your days yes, like? Yes, I'm on uh, WOR. You are? Every, yes, every Monday morning. And what show are you on? It's the uh, Len Berman and uh, Michael Wheeler. You understand show. nobody listens to that because they're all listening to me, every one of them. <laughs> nobody. I mean, nobody. <laughs> Well, my wife is listening. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. But I'm glad you're still doing it. So so are you oh, following yeah. the leagues closely and all that? Yeah, I have to uh, keep up. It's good for me because, uh, you know, research is the whole thing and being prepared. And it gives me something to do the whole week. You know, real quick, like this <laughs> this bozo manager yesterday, John Schneider of the yep. Blue Jays. Yep. You see that? Yep. He t- he takes the guy out, Jose Barrios, yeah. with no outs in the bottom of the fourth of a scoreless game. And they lost, and, and they, they got swept. Oh, yeah, I know. It was what? Cra- crazy. Oh, crazy. God. Well, listen, uh, we only had a couple of minutes, but uh, we had a very short list of people, Warner. And you were on that list because we all love you. Uh, we use that word legend, I think, way too often. I mean that. You are a legend. And uh, we, we're happy you're, you're well and doing well in Florida. And I love you, and Bernie loved you, and... Let's talk again uh, very soon, okay, buddy? Very nice of you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care of yourself, okay, pal? And All I'm right. sure Bernie's Bernie's watching from uh, upstairs. No, he's not. He's listening to uh, Riedel and uh, Len Berman. <laughs> <laughs> that makes two. <laughs> Thank you, Warner. We love you. Okay, uh, take care, Thanks. buddy. Uh, when Charles did leave, there was actually a guy that took over who was amazing. He really was great sense of humor, really one of the smartest guys you'll ever meet, and uh, terrific job at Fox for so many years, so many years, 
In fact, he invited me on shows every now and then. Now he's a big star at, um, what is the name of that place yeah, well, where Chris Cuomo is? Yeah, you can't, it's, he's such a big star now, you can't think oh, of the place he's working at. Fine. Jesus News Nation. Bill O'Reilly's on with Chris Cuomo. Well, a lot of people went there, though. My friend, uh, you know, Lee Harris from 1010 Wins, he's there, and Connell's there, and Deuce Bear Cuomo's there, and Dan Adams, Dan Abrams, another douchebag. He's a, anyway, here he is, uh, the great Connell McShane. That's quite a cast of characters you work with now, Connell. Congratulations. That's a great. Well, I'm used to working with quite a cast of characters, Sydney. Good to see you. Good to hear from you. <laughs> you Hi, Blue. Oh, that was great. I'm listening. Did you, you knew I was on hold, by the way, when Warner was on. A quick thing, by the, I'm working at News Nation, as you point out. That is owned by the same company as Channel 11. So you know who I work in the same building with now? And I was just talking to him last week about Warner. Oh. Mr. G. Oh. Mr. G is at the game. Oh. oh. Well, you know what's funny? Warner. I, they, yeah. they would bring me on uh, for years, Andy Adler. And now you've got Mark Malusis, who does sports, the former FAN yeah. guy. And uh, and I would go there, and, and all I would do is talk to Mr. G. Because I love. he's another yeah. legend. Oh, he is. I said, I'm trying to get together the whole Channel 2 news team that I watched growing up and say that I work with them all, but the odds of working with Jim Jensen at this point seem to be remote. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Uh, So, so, by the way, I have to tell you, before I get to your News Nation job, a couple of weeks ago, maybe longer, I'm sorry, but I put the fan on one day, and I go, wait a second, because I'm still friends with Chris Oliveira. I'm very close. I go, is that... Connell McShane. Now I know you're a yep. great sports guy and your son Jackson. I know the whole McShane sports. I got to tell you, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. You did a really good sports show. Really good. Well, coming from you, that means a lot. I don't know whether you mean it or not. No, I do. Frankly, I don't care. You're, right. you're one of the, the, the great sports uh, talk radio hosts of all time as well. I really do mean that. So thank, thank you. you, Sid. I did one show for them over the summer after I left Fox. Um, I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do, but as you say, I love sports. I thought about getting into it full time, uh, but WFAN actually made me pay them for that shift, which I said, well, this is not a very good sign for the sports <laughs> radio industry. So I said, I better go back to news. Jesus. So then News Nation called and I got the job. But real quick, you know who's calling the Fordham Lehigh game on ESPN Plus this weekend? I hope it's you your son. It. You guessed right. That's right. Yeah, actually, he should be. He uh, He's going to be there spotting for me, but I'm doing that. So I do some sports on the side. It's fun. But um, I know you invited me, on, obviously, to talk about Bernard today. You know what's funny, Sid? I, I was just listening to Bruce Blakeman. That was a nice uh, gesture, obviously, or more than a gesture, the Bernard McGirt Day in Nassau County. Yes. And one of the things that popped up in my head when I was listening to him is, you know, we were all out at the wake um, last year. I can't believe it's been a year. It's when I last saw many of you guys. But I don't think you and I were there at the same time because no. I went in the afternoon. You may have went at night. Right. I was, you know, Rob Bartlett was there. Uh, Mike Green was there. And in walks, because, you know, you think about Bruce Blakeman, Republican Nassau County executive, in walks the Democratic mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, yeah. to the wake. Yeah. No photos, no nothing. And I just we looked at each other and said, boy, that just tells you how, I guess, influential uh, Bernard was. And, um, you know, how he entertained the whole city for years. I just thought it was it's just an interesting. No, no, no let me let me build on what you just said. I'm, I'm going to build on what you just said. Uh, you know, Eric Adams was on with me and Bernard. And the very last interview we did it got ugly to the point where Bernard <laughs> told Eric Adams, quote, you've got blood on your hands. And to your point, it didn't matter. Eric still showed up because he knew that Bernie was just doing his thing. Bernie actually liked Eric uh, when he was Brooklyn Borough president, and, and Eric loved him. 
Uh, there's a few people that, that took what Bernard said very seriously. Omarosa wasn't going to come, for example, Todd Kaminsky. But, mm. but most people yeah. knew, Connell, it was in the spirit of radio and, and his strong opinions. And you're right, bipartisan love for Bernard McGurk. No question. It was unfortunate that Omarosa wasn't there. Yeah. You know, I, when I turned on the radio this morning, Sid, I forgot how funny you are because I, uh, Judge was on, right, with Judge Napolitano, who I haven't talked to in a long time. And I caught the end of the interview. Did you call You called him Judge Ito. Is well, he called me. He, 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 yes, he yeah. called me Bernie three times. So I'm like, thank you, Judge Ito. I, I literally spit my, the first thing I heard, I turned on the radio station, and the first thing I hear is you call Judge Napolitano, who's got that ridiculous laugh, Judge Ito. And I just, I'm literally, I got to clean, clean up the coffee. Now, but, uh, <laughs> you still got it, Sid. You still got it. Uh, thank you. Well, listen, I, I got uh, Nancy Grace on hold, but uh, again, very short list yeah. of people today, and I wanted to have you. I'm really happy for your new show. I know you're on 3 to 5 at News Nation. It really is a budding, new, very exciting network, and and, man, I'm telling you, Connell, you are such a talented guy, whether you're doing news or sports. You're also very funny and a sweet man. So congratulations, and thank you for calling in for a couple of minutes today, pal. We all love you. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Chris Cuomo and Dan Amber both texted. They'd like to have you on next week. There's <laughs> <laughs> my boy McShane. Ends with a haymaker. A big yuck from Connell McShane. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. All right, I got to get to Nancy here right away. I, I feel badly she's been on hold this long, and but we're just so damn popular. We've got all these commercials because we're great, but Nancy's great. And when this girl went uh, and disappeared a couple of days ago in that park in upstate New York, I said, I got to get Nancy on. You know, there was a time when me and Danielle watched Nancy every night. Every night on headline news during the Casey Anthony days and, and even after that. So I love her. I think she's the best on TV. Nancy, good morning. How are you, sweetie? Well, honestly, I'm ill. I'm angry. I, I, I'm very upset about what happened to this little girl, Charlotte Sienna. This little girl, Sid, nine years old. Let me think. A first grade is uh, for your seven, seven, eight, nine. A third grader, a third grade girl, and just really threw me over the edge because, you know, my family and I, like, I've got the twins. They're now 15. Can you believe it, Sid? Don't even talk about it. I'll start crying because they're going to go to college one day. Anyway, big campers, big RVers. We go all over. And during COVID, we'd get in the RV and go all over the place because, you know, you couldn't fly, couldn't get in a hotel. And every time we'd be in an RV, Park, my son would go with his bike strapped to the RV, and he would go round and around and around the loop of the RVs and the tents and all that. And I would get out, you know, in my business. I didn't want him to go on his own. He's a big boy. He's 6'5 now, Sid. Wow. And he would go round and around and around. And um, I would get out and try to jog behind him. I couldn't keep up, so then I'd walk and I'd jog. I mean, he'd double loop me and come up behind me, but I was out there, you know, kind of staying with him. It would be in the evening. That's what this little girl was doing. She had been upstate New York, uh, Lake Moreau State Park. She had been, she's there with her family. They live about 20 minutes away. They're big campers. And she was riding with her little friend, right, on this loop, about a third of a mile. That's not much, Sid. And the last one, she says, I want to do one more loop. So she went once around by herself. And this guy, according to police, is like a jackal at the edge of the watering hole. He sees her 
alone, and I knew it the moment I heard the dogs couldn't pick up a scent, and picks her up, swipes her off the back, including her helmet, puts her in the car, and takes off. Mm. About 15 minutes away or so is where his mother lives, and he is living in a camper beside where she, behind where she lives. Mm. Praise the Lord. The idiot, this guy, 46-year-old Craig Ross, leaves a ransom note in the family mailbox. Now, catch this. This is the connection, I think, and we're going to find out. This guy, Craig Ross, owns a home or has a home in his name about an eighth of a mile away from the center family home. I think he's been stalking this little girl, had been watching her. He knows they went camping, waits for the moment, grabs her and takes her and hides her in his camper. <laughs> We're hearing this morning, police take that ransom note. They get fingerprints. Idiot didn't wear gloves. They match it to a 96 DUI in Saratoga. Bam, they got a name. Bam, they find the mom's place. They do a raid. They're very stealthy. They find him in the camper in his underwear. Ugh. I don't like that. And he's hidden the little girl in a cabinet, stuffed her in a camper cabinet. You know how small those things are? She's alive. Praise the Lord. And this POS, technical legal term, <laughs> is looking at the very least kidnapping, which is 15 to life. And but this is another part I don't like. They're going to have to uh, evaluate her and talk to her and question her with a specially trained person, Mm -hmm. and there may be more charges. I pray he did not rape this girl. That's what I was uh, worried about, Nancy. And, uh, you know, these stories, um, that's why I followed your career the whole way. I really think there's nobody in the business that, for some reason, cares more. You seem to actually really care, which I think is beautiful. And I was worried about that. you know, I was happy to see that his son, not that he cares this animal, but his son did come out yesterday and say, I hate my father. He's, I hope he gets murdered in prison. His son actually said that. But I am definitely afraid that he I touched her, too. I couldn't give an F. I couldn't give an F. Yeah. If the dude dropped dead tomorrow, I could yeah. care less. Yeah. But look, that says it all but right look, there. but look, Nance, I mean, I've started following you when you were doing the, the Casey Anthony uh, thing, and, and that girl did die. And then, you know, I was, I was talking to my wife, Danielle, last night. After you were done with the whole Casey Anthony story, and I remember this like it was yesterday, you started talking about another little girl that disappeared. And I never heard exactly what happened if somebody got arrested. And her name was Haley Cummings. And I watched oh, you. I can't tell exactly what happened. What happened? Haley Cummings, Haley Cummings has never been found. Still? Her father never been found. Haley Cummings um, was in the, they lived in a trailer home. She was the dad that she was living with. Seemed like a pretty good guy to me. I mean, he cared about his daughter. I think that he had other crimes he was involved in, but I think he loved his daughter. He, she was there alone that night. He went to work, I, and I checked it out myself. He punched the clock. He was there. Uh, I would say 30, 40 minutes away. He left her alone with his live-in. I think her name was Misty Crosland. Yes. That night, this little girl, and just gorgeous, sweet, precious little girl, disappears. She has never been found. I got about three inches up Misty Carlson's tailpipe. She hated me. Yeah. Don't care. And um, long story short, she went to jail, I think, for drugs. I'm not sure why she went to jail. Let me think about it a minute. 
But she went to jail on another charge, and this child has never been found. Never been found. I know she left the back door open, and she invited some guy over who was a bad guy, and the father was at work, like you said. And it all came back to me last night. And I said to myself, and Danielle, I said, I don't get it. How is it possible, Nancy, that we have all these sex offenders, I mean, really sick bastards? You look at any city in this country, and you take one of those pins, right, Nancy, and pick a major city, you're going to be, not you, you know, but you're going to be disgusted to find out how many of your neighbors are sex offenders. It's unreal, Nancy Grace. Well, I've got some news for you. I've got some news for you, Sid. Um, at first, it was reported this guy that we're talking about now in relation to little Charlotte. His name is uh, Craig Ross Jr., age 46. At first, it was reported he was a registered sex offender. Then everybody walked back on that because we now think that that was another Craig Ross. But overnight, the Times Union is reporting that Ross was just probed by New York State Police regarding sex abuse allegations on a 12-year-old girl. He denied it. It was about a year ago. And they closed the case, the investigation into Ross, last month. That is even worse. interviewed on another 12-year-old girl, and the case was dropped. I don't know the truth of that case, but that's what's being reported by the Times Union. He is not a registered sex offender. I know that much. But, well, I mean, it gets worse and worse yeah. and worse with this guy. It does. Uh, but listen, you got to keep doing your stuff, Nancy, because you are that voice out there for all these little kids. I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm mad at you, Sid. Why? And I'll tell you why. You said, I used to watch it with my wife, Danielle. Haven't you ever heard of Fox Nation? No, I Hello? watch you. No, 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 no. I watch you on. I distinctly heard you said. I said no, no. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, I'm not going to win an argument with Nancy Grace. I know that. But I do watch you on Box Nation now. But I started, me and Danielle, we started watching you all the way back on Headline News. Let me tell you something. I was such a Nancy Grace fan on Headline News well before you started doing Box Nation, which I do watch now. I was such a fan of yours. I ended up on Jane Velez's Mitchell show, and I still have no idea how I got there. None. <laughs> I love Jane Velez. Listen, no matter what question I ask her, it could be about a mass murder, and she somehow gets in animal rights. I don't know how she does it, but it's all about the animals. She will tell you any, and the story she tells you, it makes you sick by the time you finish talking about these yep. animal cases. Yep. Yep. But no matter what it is, we could be talking about Trump and Biden. Somehow, what about the puppies? What about the puppies? <laughs> that hey, was young. Yeah, one more thing. One more thing. Yeah. You have heard of a podcast, right? Yes. I, I believe one day you said, what's a podcast? A podcast? Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Listen. That is a great podcast. Take my word for it. I've heard it. Again, there's no bigger fan of yours than me, Nancy. And I know this. The folks that don't know this about Nancy Grace, uh, she's been through a horrific tragedy in her life. I don't want to bring it up and make her upset, but but it's true. And she, what she does is she went through that horrific tragedy. She was a big-time attorney. And now she's turned her attention to helping other victims. I've got a friend, for example, Nancy. Her name is Jennifer Harrison. And Jennifer Harrison's boyfriend was murdered 20 years ago. She lives on Shorty, Long Island. And she started a group called Victims' Rights New York. She's an advocate for victims. And this is what you've done your whole life. And now you speak on behalf of children and other folks that have been through horrible tragedies. And for that, Nancy, whether it's Headline News, your True Crime Podcast, or, or Fox Nation, I consider you a hero, and I love you. I just want you to know that. 
you know what? They just put on two hours of hair and makeup, and now it's going to, there it goes. You made me start crying. It doesn't take much. I mean, I can sit yeah. through an autopsy. I can try a serial killer. But a kind word like that will make me tear up uh-huh. in a minute. I really appreciate what you just said. Because, you know, if you go online, all you see is hate, 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 yeah. um, horrible comments, mean people. Yeah. You know, you kind of get used to it. Yeah. But I'm really not used to those kind of kind words, and I really appreciate it, Sid. I meant everyone. I'm sincere, Nancy, and please keep coming back and keep doing what you're doing. You're a hero. I mean that. I love you. Thank you. Thanks, boss. Bye. Bye-bye. Nancy Grace. I love the way she hung up. I mean, I miss like. Well, she had somewhere to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, she wasn't even going to stick around. She was going to hang up before the interview. And... I know. Well, now she's got to redo all of her hair and makeup. Right. Now I made her cry. So... <laughs> I mean that about her. You know, her, her uh, fiancé was murdered. That Terrible, was a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. And uh, these little kids, man, uh, our kids are all, and I get ner- I got nervous every time Ava came into the city. Every time took that ferry into New York City until she walked through that door. Sometimes it's 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. I was scared to death. And she's a lot older than some of these kids, these 8, 9-year-olds that go missing all the time. So, All right, we are three hours through. That's the bad news. You want the good news? We got three more to go. We're on till noon today with the huge guest still to come. Bernie Remembrance Day on Sitting Friends in the Morning. Coming back right after this. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. We are safe. We are safe. We're worried about our workouts. I mean, our selfish selves are worried about our workouts. <laughs> Not that the gym owners are going to, you know, be struggling. No. Well, how that's can I work out? No. I mean, a lot of these small uh, gyms, these small gym owners, uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna survive. They're not gonna be closed if there's a surge. If the spike goes past nine percent, I believe the gyms will still stay open. Based on what he just said. Well, you know we talk all the time about the psychological effects of the lockdown and the depression which it does cause. And I don't know, but it seems to me, especially for Sid Rosenberg myself, but it seems to me there are millions and millions of people who deal with stress and depression rather than through medication by going to the gym. It was raining hard in Frisco. I needed one more fare to make my night. A lady up ahead waved to flag me down. She got in at the light. Oh, where you going to, my lady blue? It's a shame you ruined your gown in the rain. She just looked out the window She said, 16 parks, I think Harry Chapin, a big Bernie and Sid favorite There was some Bernie and Sid back and forth And we were wrong, we thought they wouldn't close down the gyms Oh, they did I closed them down, all right But I did what every obnoxious, arrogant 
American would do, and I actually took the gym equipment from my downstairs in my building and put it in my apartment. And um, I remember I called the guy. I said, Bernie, here's what I want to do. Bernie's like, oh, I'm good. I, You know, I got my own weights in my garage, and I, you know, I run on the boardwalk, and I do push-ups on the scaffolds. I go, I can't do that stuff. Come on. Bernie was like a real outfit, you know. I'm like, I need a gym. I'm, I'm a weight guy, you know. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call my guy who runs a building. I'm going to take the equipment. He goes, well, you can't do that. I said, why can't I? He said, because there's a lot of apartments. I said, what do you mean? I said, watch me. And I called the guy. A guy named Taylor was his name, Taylor. And I said, hey, uh, Taylor, the gym's closed, right, because of COVID. He said, yeah, it's closed. I said, well, um, what a waste of good gym equipment, right? He goes, yeah, I guess. I said, well, I'm going to take it. He said, what? I said, I'm going to take it. I'm, I, I, the gym is closed, New York Sports Club. I need a gym. And he said, well, I can't do that. I mean, there's other people who live in the apartment. I said, well, let me ask you this. Who pays more rent than me? And Danielle, he said, well, you, you have the the most expensive apartment. So I'm going to take it. That's it. Or I just won't pay your rent. <laughs> I, I, I became that much of a dick. And for the next six months, I had the gym equipment from my building in my apartment. No surprise there. <laughs> and then I had a hard time giving it back because the gyms are open. I was already going back to New York Sports Club. I was going to Equinox. All this. But I still like the idea of having this stuff in my apartment. But the building was open. You guys, can we get it back? I mean, it, you know, it's not yours. I said, yes, of course. Don't be silly. I mean, you know, it took me like a month. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That was a good gym story, me and Bernie. Uh, Frank Morano is the very, very talented, tremendously talented host of Other Side of Midnight, 1 to 5 a.m. every weekday morning. He's on this show at least once a week. And he's back on this special Bernie Remembrance Day. Francis Arthur, how are you? I am doing great, Sid. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on, and I appreciate that stroll down memory lane, hearing that uh, great American story of theft and workout enthusiasm. Yeah, it's a uh, it's great yeah. to be on uh, on the special tribute show for uh, for Bernie. I was a big fan of Bernie on the radio, and yeah. from the time that he uh, came yeah. back to WABC in right. two thousand seven, right. uh, not yeah. back, but uh, I was yeah. a, okay. a right. friend Cons of his, a fine. great guy. He was, he was and he, fine, okay, fine. You know, he was a big. Stood, uh, he was a big troublemaker with you for me no no him and jill would, him and jill me. him and jill were big troublemakers with you big yeah that i see i i remember it the other way around no 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 no, no. You they pick on me and he would no 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 no, no. i ragged on you because see this is how these, these things go i ragged on you uh frank because both bernie and jill said to me frank hates you and he's really close <laughs> with this new guy coming and i go what new guy and they're like john katzen or something or other i don't know and I'm like, he is? And this guy's buying the station? I'm like, yeah. And Frank's close with uh, with him. And he's going to take over your morning show, either him or Piscopo. And that's how they're, and, and Bernie and Jill would tell me that all the time, so. Well, in any event, uh, you're doing a great job. And uh, I, uh, the ah. thing that uh, I don't know that people have an appreciation for is how tough it is not only to do a show like what you're doing for six hours, but 
how tough the last uh, two years have been for you. And uh, I know that everyone talks about uh, how much we miss Bernie, and we certainly do. I do. But uh, from December of 2021 till the time that Bernie passed away, you know, people need to understand that you basically had to flip a switch and not necessarily know if you were going to have a partner that day, not necessarily know how the show was going to be structured that day. And uh, the fact that after he passed away, Everyone in the world was betting against you, saying, oh, you're never going to be able to do this show on your own, never going to be able to shoulder this burden on your own. Um, and the fact that the show is still doing great, it's really incredible. So uh, as much as Bernie deserves a lot of credit for his entire career and really, more important, what a great guy he was, I think you sincerely uh, deserve a lot of credit for the last year of Bernie's life and the last year since he's been gone. Well, that was really nice. Thank you. I really, I mean that. Thank you very, very no, much. I, well, I, Thank I'm you. I'm being sincere because uh, everyone, rightly so, is paying tribute to Bernie. And uh, it's easy to forget, you know, that there were a lot of other people involved in making this show successful the last two years. Well, thank you. Thank you, Frank. And, and I did start up today's show by saying that uh, uh, certainly I miss Bernie on the radio. He's a, he's a talented radio guy. But I miss the friendship more. I miss the off-the-air stuff as much. And it's not because Bernie didn't have talent. Of course he did. But the truth is, if we're going to be honest here, uh, I have to give these guys credit, which you just did, basically. Lou Rafino, Justin Ellick, Noam Layden, because you're right. When Bernie passed away, it was, oh, my God, should we get set upon her? Which was funny to me because when Bernie and I worked together, if I went on vacation, they threw a guy in with Bernie every time. I mean, Christ, Russ saw Yeah, I was that guy once in a while. Yeah, right. When Bernie was on vacation, I never took in a partner, and the ratings never went down. But there was some genuine concern. And um, if we're going to be completely honest during this conversation, Bernie and I never did nearly as well as Sid and Friends are doing. That's the truth. So these guys here, Lou and Justin and Noam, deserve a lot of that credit, too. So I appreciate you saying that because I, I miss Bernie on the air, but I miss the person. I, I've met very few people in my life that were better people than Bernard, who cared more, who just, like I said earlier, man, you know this, Frank, if I had an issue that day, and I went to Bernie, if not 9 out of 10, maybe 10 out of 10, by the time we were done talking, I felt better. I know you had this, you know, similar experiences with Bernard. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I didn't get to work with him uh, like you did, but I'll never forget what he told me when I came back to WABC, and it was uh, June or July of 2020, and we're just chatting for two minutes in between breaks in the morning, and uh, he said to me something that I guess every parent knows, but I didn't really have an understanding of or appreciation of until my son was born. He said, uh, you'll see one day, Frank, you're really only as happy as your unhappiest kid. He always and said I'm sure that, yeah. Yep, uh, yeah, that yeah. Uh, yeah. Someone else said that before him, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I found that it was uh, so true. And he just had a way of boiling down yeah. important things about life off air in a manner that uh, very few could with as few words as he Right. Did. I mean, that's I, I mean, for all the folks that loved him on air, and he's got legions of fans, and deservedly so. But for the folks that loved him on air, I wish I would have gotten to know him more off the air because if he thought he was good on there, he was good. He was an amazing person off the air. Anyway, uh, so yeah, you. I, I wish he would let uh, those of us that liked him so much off air know him a bit better. I would ask him all the time, do you want to go for lunch? Do you want to go for a drink? Uh, 
it, about 99 times out of 100 in the 15 years that I knew him, the answer was no, yeah. you know, I don't yeah. want to, uh, you know, I want to just do my thing and my personal well, and, life. And, 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 and it wasn't personal. It wasn't about you. He was no, like, no, well, no, no. I didn't take but, it that way. I mean, Absolutely. you have to understand, yeah. I came back to New York in 2016, and you couldn't get closer than me and Bernard. And I'm going to let you guess how many times me and Bernie between 2016 and the day he passed away, this date last year, 2022, had dinner. The answer is zero. Uh, I, I'm going to ask you, uh, how many times did I see his wife, Carol? I didn't see Carol until Bernie died. Well, I shouldn't say that. The last year she was in studio once or twice because she took him for treatment. But the point is, for as close as we were, and we were brothers, to your point, I never saw Bernie outside. The, the show ended, and it wasn't 10.02. It wasn't 10.05. It was 10 o'clock, and my man was heading towards the Midtown Tunnel. We'd have events downstairs. Downstairs! He'd go home. <laughs> so that was Bernie. You know, he did his show, and he did the show with me, and he loved it. But he really loved being home. He loved the beach. He loved his family. He was introspective while being very social when he was here. And those are the things that uh, Bernard loved, and it was terrific. You know, uh, when when things really mattered, though, he, you really could always count on him. I remember I had uh, emceed an event for the uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation out on Long Island, I think in 2010 or, or 2009. And I invited all of my colleagues uh, from WABC and all my friends from Long Island to come out there and support the event. He was uh, the only one of my colleagues uh, from WABC that came out, out to support the event. Now, I'm sure, he lived on Long Island. But he, this wasn't necessarily close to where he lived. And uh, he really, when things counted and you needed something and it was important, he was always there yes. for me. And I imagine yeah. that he was there for everybody. Oh, he was. I want to get to this um, this uh, whole decision to oust McCarthy. Uh, you were really good on it. When it first happened, a lot of folks have been kind of confused as to really what happened, what was Matt Gates's argument. Nancy Mace will join me coming up at 1030. Mike Lawler will join me today as well. So we're going to get some of the real players in this on this show this morning. But you had a really good grasp on what was going on, even down to when the vote was and some of the names that now we're hearing, people like Scalise and Jordan are looking to get their shot as the next speaker. So give us a little rundown, Frank, of what you've seen and what you think. Well, I, I think it's it was entirely predictable. I mean, uh, the amazing thing about this is that it took nine months from the time that uh, McCarthy made this deal it, to allow only one person to call a motion to vacate. And you have this many unhappy folks in your conference. We had to know that this was that this was going to happen. That That's one thing. I think it's a shame that, uh, you know, 96 percent of the Republican conference can still support their speaker. And only a handful of people are able to trigger this decision to go the other way. But the other thing is, uh, not only do I think McCarthy is somewhat at fault for going along with this rules change to make it so easy to remove the speaker, because in doing so, he made it so that the speakership, especially in this narrow majority, really wasn't something worth having. But he's also knowing how close the closely divided the the uh, Congress was. He couldn't be the speaker and govern like he had a 20 seat majority, knowing that the Democrats could take him out along with a couple of dissidents. And yet 
That's exactly how he governed. I mean, the Sunday before he was taken out on Face the Nation, he basically did a kind of pro wrestling style promo on Margaret Brennan, bashing the Democrats for this and bashing the Democrats for everything. Now, you can do that when you have a lot of wiggle room. But when you know you need at least a handful of them to save your speakership, you can't do that. And what they did, apparently, is they showed that Margaret Brennan video behind closed doors in Mm. the Democrats. Democratic conference yeah. and the Democrats from districts that Trump won were poised to save him before that. And then after that, they made the decision. All right. This guy wants to go on TV and bash us mm-hmm. and do a, an impeachment inquiry and do all these uh, investigations. No. Why should we save this guy? So I think uh, McCarthy made some tactical errors. But I think kind of the media coverage of this, where they refer to this as all the right wing dissidents, Nancy Mace, you can't really call her uh, an extreme right winger. Same thing with Ken Buck. It's an oversimplification of the whole situation because there were a lot of very right-wing people like Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene. They voted to keep McCarthy. So uh, how they're trying to frame this, it's ridiculous. And uh, people like John Cornyn who are referring to these folks as terrorists. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, we live in New York. We know what real terrorists right, are. Right, and, right, right. Uh, yeah. for, for a guy to com- say that uh, some people that wanted a new leader are terrorists, yeah, they're I mean, let's no, calm down. No, no, let's they calm are, down. Well, they are traitors, and, and I'll tell Nancy that I love Nancy. She loves me, but she's a traitor. Uh, terrorist is a bit much, but traitor works. Uh, I do want to move to RFK Jr. There's two people in my life that I love. That uh, they just annoy me with this guy. You're one of them. Uh, you, you've not, now you've calmed oh, down the last couple of months, but my God, were you annoying two or three months ago? And then uh, I told you this Jimmy Breslin's kid, Kevin Breslin, he also is in love with this uh, RFK Jr., who's a clown, but um, look, he's uh, he's got the right last name and he's not stupid. He's clownish, but he's not stupid. And uh, he may run now, he's going to run as an independent. And I don't care about that because no one cares about him and no one's going to vote for him. Uh, but uh, all I care about is, is he going to hurt my guy Trump? That's all I care about. Is he going to do that? I actually don't think so. I mean, look, the election's a year away, so we'll see and we'll see if he makes it into the debates and where the where that goes. We'll see if there are debates. But I think uh, as of now, the polling suggests and he's polling, depending on which poll you look at, somewhere between 14 percent and 20 percent in a three way race with Biden and Trump. It looks like he draws evenly from about both candidates. Now, is it possible that there might be some uh, closely watched state or two where he has more of an impact? on Trump than Biden? Maybe. Uh, I mean, certainly my impression in uh, talking with Republicans is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is much more popular with Republicans and right-leaning independents than he is Democrats right now. His views on the lockdowns, on uh, vaccine choice and things like that, uh, those are a lot of views that typical Trump voters have. So the thing that's amazing to me is, uh, I mean, he's got money, he's got name recognition, but the thing that's amazing to me is the enthusiasm that a lot of his supporters, not just on the vaccine <laughs> issue either, nice. have for him. And no. uh, I think no. he is going to do better Idiots. than any third party candidate since Idiots. Perot in 92. Right. Idiot.
Well, well, I mean, you could say that, but uh, I think uh, the fact that uh, there was a poll out yesterday, Gallup poll, showing 63% of the American public think that uh, America needs a third major party Uh and showing that only 38% of the country is excited about a Trump-Biden rematch. This is the year with a Trump-Biden redux Mm -hmm. where a a matchup that nobody wants to see happen, a lot of folks are going to be receptive to some sort of third party option a lot of folks yeah well i, I do at least a, um you know i say one out of five yeah i'm not saying that that's not true i'm just saying he's you know he ain't no john anderson i'll tell you that well i i, I got a lot of respect <laughs> for john b anderson but uh i think uh robert f kennedy uh, he appeals to a lot of passions that john b anderson didn't necessarily true. and you know john b anderson ran against a, a brilliant political um personality like Ronald Reagan and a guy that uh, even if he wasn't a brilliant political personality was incredibly honest and a heck of a nice guy in Jimmy Carter. I'm not sure you could say the same thing about the current lineup this time around. God, you are so smart. I, I know I say it all the time. I do. And I have no reason oh, to blow smoke up your ass. Please. I really don't. But first of all, you already done a overnight show, which is hours ago, hours ago. Now you're off the air for three and a half hours. You sound like you just woke up and had a cup of coffee. You sound great. You're the smartest guy. I used to always say Bernie was the smartest guy in the room. I used to always say that. And uh, it wasn't you. I was. But I used to say it anyway. Uh, but the truth is, you're the smartest guy in the room. I swear to God, you are so – I don't even agree with some of this stuff. But you're so prepared and so smart – I got to give you credit, Frank. I think it's terrific. I really do. Uh, you're very kind to say that, but uh, I did lose my uh, one of my two beat Bernie appearances, so I'm not going to r- walk around. That game was not- rigged. That game was, was. rigged. It Matt, was. Matt, Matt, I knew it. Matt Meany walked that game to DNC. make sure Bernie would win every time. I thought so. <laughs> it's, it's the DNC contest all over again. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Frank, great job. Willie, thank you so much for hopping on this morning. This was a great appearance. Thank you. Uh, Sid, uh, thank you for the opportunity. I always love being on the show in general, but especially on a, on a day like uh, today. And uh, I appreciate your friendship, and I uh, appreciate too. being able to contribute to the show regularly. God bless you. You're great. Ladies and gentlemen, Frank Morano, 1 to 5 a.m. Every weekday morning, the other sign of midnight. We'll, uh, we'll take a short break. we got lots more to do. I mean, a lot more to do. Nancy Mace is going to be here. Mike Breen, Joseph Aboud, the world's best men's fashion designer. Corey Zelnick. We're going to spend an hour with Dr. Sean Zimberg. I'll answer all your questions, your concerns about prostate cancer. Carly Shimkus. My friend Patsy going to call in, say hello. Maybe Mike Lawler as well. We are not even close to being done. This is Bernie Remembrance Day on your favorite talk show in the country. We are sitting friends in the morning. It was somewhere in a fairy tale. I used to take her home in my car. We learned about love in the back of a dodge. The lesson hadn't gone too far. Radio 77, WABC. 77 WABC remembers our colleague, our friend, radio legend, Bernard McGurk. One year later. Do you believe the president is his? Uh, yeah. You do? I do. Do you believe Tawana Broly? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Well, you must be late for your three-card launching game. <laughs> Please join us all day today.
honoring the life of our colleague, our friend, Bernard McGurk. Just um, in Chad Lopez's office. Chad is our boss, of course. I love Chad. During the break, you know. And um, well, it's not often you walk by your boss's office, and arguably, arguably, the greatest New York Yankee of all time happens to be. I know you're going to go to DiMaggio and Mantle, and I get all that. Barra and Gehrig and Cheater, but. You could make an argument, because he's the only guy ever, ever, to make it to the Hall of Fame with 100% of the vote. And that would be closer Mariano Rivera. I know Mariano for years. A lot of stuff with Mariano with the fan, with me and Jody McDonald and Joe Beningo and Kimberly Jones, all of us. Kimberly Jones, I love. I saw a giant training camp, uh, Pete, yeah. over the summer. And we didn't really say hello to each other. I sent her a message. I go, hey, Kimberly, are you mad at me? Because people get mad at me all the time. I don't know why, but they do. She said, how could I ever be mad at you? I love you. I said, okay, good. I felt better. You didn't talk to me. Come on, you today. But we did a show the day before. Jeter had uh, 2,999 hits. And the Yankees were hosting Tampa Bay in the Bronx. And it was a Friday. And Mariano came on with me and Kimberly. And the game got rained out that night. And the next day was a gorgeous Saturday morning. And Jeter... Had like three hits, and he got his 3,000th hit on a home run. He yep. did it in style, you know. And Mariano was on the day before, and he remembered just now that conversation we had that day. So he's, uh, you know, he's tied with my really good friend Keith Kantrowitz. Kantrowitz and I are like best friends these days. We have these dinners set up. We go with Paul Carlucci, who's a big, you know, Fox News media guy, and and uh, Anthony Carone, and, and a whole bunch of guys. And Mark Simone shows up, you know, because he has to be everywhere. And... Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Hey, uh, Fancy well, meeting you here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah. Oh, I, I stalked you here. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm here. Anyway, uh, so I just saw Mariano, and he's going to be doing stuff with us here at WABC, and that's a big wow. deal. Yeah, how about now, that? You, you could really argue he, they don't win those four without him. Oh, 100%. No, no they don't win. He's the difference every time. You know, the whole bullpen, to your point, Easy. because, you know, he started out as the guy that, came in before John Wetland when they won the first one. And then he became the closer, and the Yankees had guys named Mike Stanton. Excuse me. Uh, uh, yeah, Stanton. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, Jeff, Nelson. Jeff Nelson. Yeah. And those guys were all great. So, But Mariano's a sweet guy. He really is. And he's good. still good-looking and in good, good shape. And yeah. he's a great, a great, great guy. And he's looking to build schools back in his hometown. So we're going to try to help him out with that. Anyway, we continue our Bernie Remembrance Day. I love this guy, too. I, I remember... Bernie and I opened up, and this was because of my relationship with Jim Allen, we opened up the Hard Rock in Atlantic City. And when it first came to Atlantic City, it was a big deal. But I knew Jim Allen from the Hollywood Hard Rock in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And I went to the press conference in Times Square, and I said, Jesus, Jimmy, now you're in in, in Atlantic City. i I got to come. So he invited uh, me and Bernard, and he ended up spending over a million dollars advertising, mind you, on our show. And he allowed me and Bernie to stand on stage and crash guitars. That's something they do at every Hard Rock opening. Michael B. Jordan was on stage with me. And Max from the E Street Band was on stage with me. And I remember we did two live shows from the Hard Rock those two days. The weekend it opened. 
And this guy showed up. He was suffering, suffering from vertigo. He was so sick. It was dangerous, I think, for him to even be out. But he wasn't going to miss Sid and Bernie in Atlantic City. But he's been a fan of I Miss and Bernie and me and all these folks for a long time. We play a lot of his music on Christmas. He's a good soul. A git and a shimmer, as we say in Yiddish. He's our friend Patsy Siciliano. Now, Patsy, my mother, the great Naomi, sent me a text yesterday, and she said, I don't know how you got her address, if it's you, but she said she received a beautiful Yom Kippur basket addressed to me from Patsy Siciliano. You're the only Patsy I know. Was that you? (laughs) That's me. Now, did you, you know, I was trying to remember, how would Patsy have the address? But I think I figured it out. When my father died, you sent something yes. to that house, right? Right. That's how I had the address. Oh, you are the sweetest man ever. I love you. Thank you very much for that. Oh, you're really welcome. I, I said it so when you break your fast, you'd have something sweet, you know? So um, it was my pleasure, Sid. Thank you, Patsy. And, and I know that, uh, look, again, you were there for me and Bernie that day, but you were there for Imus and me and Bernie many, many, many times. And you took Don's loss harder than most of us did, to be honest. Uh, and you took Bernie's loss uh, hard as well. So, And he loved you, too. You know that. I, I, I loved him like a brother. I mean, I've known him for 26-plus years because um, the first time I spoke with him was when I called in to audition for that I'm on Broadway show. Remember that? You know, I don't because the truth is I had been exiled to South Florida. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that I was, uh, like I was doing, yeah, I was doing a sports show in, in Pompano Beach. And, uh, at that point I was kind of, um, a non persona grata with Imus. He wasn't a big fan of mine back then. But I, of course I'm aware of what happened. So I didn't know they, they actually gave you guys an opportunity to go to that show. Yeah. They, what they said was, uh, we were going to perform for Jerry Zachs and, um, uh, if he liked you, he'd put you in one of his shows. At that time, it was Smokey Joe's Cafe. Um, so I got chosen, you know, and um, I appeared uh, at the St. James Theater uh, in the Imus show, um, and Bernard and the, uh, the whole crew was there. It was oh. fantastic. Oh. And um, I sang an oldie by the Flatters, you know. And um, after the show, I, I played my sax. But after the show, I sold my sax to Bernard. Really? I swear, he, he said he played in high school. He wanted to get back into it. So I said, listen, why don't you buy mine? So he, um, he, he paid me $350 in cash that afternoon while we were walking around New York City. Oh. So um, it was really awesome. a riot, you know. I, that I, is uh, awesome. I, I cherish all the memories with Bernard. And I, I really wish, like you said a million times, that other people got to know him outside of the radio. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was a sweetheart. And, um he treated me with tremendous respect and dignity, and, um, you know, I always loved them for it. And, and you know, like you were saying at that Hard Rock, I was so happy to see you and, and Bernard together there, and I was so happy that you guys did the show together, and I, I knew someday you were going to be on top. So my, my sincere congratulations, because you belong on top. With what you went through in your life and, and how great you have done, I, you deserve all the kudos you could garner, my friend. Oh, Patsy. Come here. I want to give you a big kiss. I really do. It's very sweet of you. And, and you're, 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 really, you're a great friend. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. And, you know, of all the times that Bernard invited me up to be in the studio with uh, the Ima show and also with your show, Bernie and Sid, they were kind of like the highlights of my life. I just I had so much fun being with you guys. And... Um, it's what I wanted to be a part of the Imus family back in the day, and I, I ended up becoming a good friend with Bernard. In fact, 
I hired him to do his stand-up act for two gigs that I threw, and um, he stayed in my house. Uh, wow! Before the gigs, and I chauffeured him over to the gigs. You know, was, uh, I, I know him better than most fans would know him. I, I, I believe in my heart that he was my friend, and I think he he considered me a friend. Uh, there's no question about that. I can guarantee you, Patsy. And thank you for stopping by today, and thank you for all these kind words. I can guarantee. I can promise you. But you were not just another caller, Patsy. You were a friend to Bernard, a dear friend, and you remain the same to me. You're a wonderful guy. Thank you, Sid. All right, pal. I, I love you, and I'm so love happy you to have Thank you, Patsy. Thank you for calling in. It means a lot to us. That's the great Patsy. By the way, he's a very talented guy. This guy can sing. He can play musical instruments. He's a very talented guy. And as you can hear, a sweet guy. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. All right, Bernie, your remembrance day continues. Don't forget, we got the doctor coming in, Sean Zimberg. He's the medical director of radiation oncology at Advanced Radiation Centers of New York. He'll be here at 10. My friend Nancy Mace. I actually spoke to Nancy Mason like 11 o'clock last night. I said, you know what? I'm not getting any sleep, so neither are you. She goes, what do you mean? I said, everybody's texting me today that you screwed up. You voted to get McCarthy out, and, you know, you voted with that ass face, Matt Gates, and, and now if I'm not going to sleep, you're not going to sleep. And she laughed, and you know, I love you, I love you too, all that stuff. But she is coming on at 1030, Nancy Mace. At 11.05, the voice of the Knicks and the NBA, one of Bernard's best friends, the great Mike Breen, will be here. And then live in studio, Corey Zelnick and Joseph Aboud coming up at 11.30. I've got Pete Morgan in studio, but my next guest is uh, one of the favorites for the Imus fans out there. Now she's a huge star. I watch her every morning on Fox News. She's beautiful and sweet, and Bernie loved her. She's Carly Shimkus. Carly, good morning. How are you? Oh, so that was so sweet. When I think of you, I think of you, I think of the words beautiful and sweet as well. So we have that in common. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I mean it. I, I watch. Me you're welcome. I watch you on on TV every morning, and and uh, you know, for a while there. And correct me if I'm wrong, because a lot of times the sound isn't on because I'm getting ready for my show. Uh, but you were doing like a lot of entertainment stuff. Now I I think I'm I'm watching you co-anchor and doing a great job on some of the biggest topics. In the country today, you. you're doing all that, right? Yes, that's exactly right. First of all, thank you for watching. Yeah, my career had after um, I was I'm I'm a assistant and a part of the I'm in the morning family. I was doing a lot of entertainment and sort of trending topics earlier on in my career, but I was always much more interested in politics and all that. So yeah, now I'm the uh, co-host of Fox and Friends First, and I'm the newsreader on Fox and Friends. Uh, so it's been a wild ride, and I wow. have a lot of it to say. A lot of what's happening in my career right now has to do with Imus and, of course, Bernie as well, being so, so supportive of me at the start of my career. Imus could not have been worse to you. You cried almost every single day. <laughs> every day. Every day. No, I know Bernie was there to help you and Lou. Uh, at that point, I was persona non grata, so I wasn't there to help you. I helped a lot of others along the way, trust me, from Christy Muzumeci to Janice Dean. Uh, but it's funny you thank Imus, because, look, I do the same. The longer he's dead, 
the more I like him. <laughs> when he was alive, I wasn't so thrilled. But the longer he's gone, the more I start to realize how profoundly he affected my career and how I've gotten yes. really good at this. Yeah. I know. Well, it's it's so interesting. He, he did make me cry. That is true. But he was also so good to me. And I, ne- I mean, people would ask me all the time, how do you really feel about Imus? And it's like such a complicated question because there were tears involved in the job. But for the most part, I have so much uh, to thank him for. He definitely took a chance on me. I mean, he knew that I uh, didn't know what I was doing. And I was his assistant and getting him coffee. And he put me on the air. And then Fox became comfortable with me being on the air uh, because of that. One of the first times I was on air was on I'm from the morning, and I said the mother of all curse words by accident. Do you, I know Lou remembers this. You said, I think he said uh, the you said the c word, right? I said the c word. Yeah, I remember it was great. It was great radio. <laughs> it was. Yeah, well, I was. <laughs> we played I it for months. Have more horrified. <laughs> And it was a complete accident and totally my fault. But somebody wrote an email and they signed it using a fake name. The first name, Mike, Mike yeah. the last name, Hunt. And I didn't know the joke. And I just blurted it out. Oh, uh, my. Well, one of my favorite things about being on, on the show was that Bernie and Lou made everything funnier, too. Just with their, yeah. like, side chatter, they always said the right things. Uh, so, man, I've been thinking a lot about Bernie in the lead up to this October fifth. Well, 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 I hate the know, blow. I, I hate memories. the. I hate the blow of this beautiful memory about Bernard, and, and how, you know, but he's the one that wrote that email. You do know that, right? No, he didn't. Of course, he did. Which no, you, he didn't. Bur- Bur- yes, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yes, I believe. Now I remember it. I do. Re- I do remember. Now Carly is in shock again. <laughs> now, now she's like, I'm glad he's dead. No. uh... <laughs> No, I don't, I don't know that. No, I'm, Carly, I'm making it up. I have no idea. I mean, seriously, if, if there was a gun to my head, I would bet he actually did. I'm not even kidding. I'm being serious. I remember you know his reaction yeah. because he was as much in shock as Carly right, he was. Yeah, yeah. He went, oh, no, you did not just read that. Proving that 12 years later, I am still as gullible as I have ever been. But that's part of your charm, to be honest. And, and you're not stupid. You're not ignorant. You're a little gullible, but... Uh, that goes along with your personality. You're very, very fun, loving, and easy, and I see that. That translates, just so you know, you've got a great relationship with the camera. You do great, and that does translate Thank to terrific you. television. So whenever you would get uh, sad or, or you would do something like that, and I had my moments too, trust me, many over the years, a guy like mm-hmm. Bernie would be the first guy to come and, uh, and make you feel better, right? No, totally. Oh, my gosh. And the first time I saw him, I was like, wow, this guy, he looks so intimidating, and I was like, oh, no, I, I was like, a, I was a little nervous. What's he going to be like? And then when he came over uh, to Fox, I would always get the guests. That was part of my job. I'd bring them into studio. Um, and when I met him, I he was like a big teddy bear. And he became such a father figure and would always ask me, how are you doing? You know, don't worry about taking all the, you know, the, the, the you know what, rolls downhill and it was rolling in my direction a lot of times so he was like don't worry about all that he does it to everybody and uh it was really appreciated so yeah i'll always remember how kind he was to me in the early years last one i don't know where you stand with this you know kill me night you know we're very very close he's on the show all the yeah. time and and uh you know jesse i was doing jesse's show for a while in fact i spoke to jesse about two days ago i love a lot of the folks over at fox and i've always loved sean too and I know where every one of them stands politically. I don't know where you stand or whether or not you're you're vociferous about this on the air. Are you a DeSantis girl? Are you a Trump girl? 
What are you? Well, listen, I, you know, it, I, I'm on Fox and Friends, so obviously the political, uh, the political lean of the show is no secret. Right. But in terms of Trump and DeSantis, uh, I am personally surprised at how uh, low DeSantis's poll numbers are, and I and I wonder if he's going to live to regret the day that he ran for office. It's just such a timing game where you don't want to. Uh, I'm sure he thought, listen, this is my moment. I won the governor's race by 20 points. I don't want to let this moment go by. But at the same time, even though Trump has four indictments against him, it only makes him stronger. So, I mean, it's all about policy in the end. The personality is one thing, but uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens in that regard. No, you just uh, mapped it out exactly right. You're exactly right. And what you said in, in very circuitous and, and very politically nice terms, not to get in trouble at Fox, is, is that you're a little surprised that Trump is kicking DeSantis's ass, but it ain't going to stop because four indictments later he continues to grow the lead. So I just made it a little yeah. more of a, of a monarch, monarch no pushing for you. I never <laughs> yeah. say it exactly like that, but that's exactly what I was thinking inside my head. See, there so, you go. You know, that's, yeah. I uh, know. Believe me. Uh, listen, we, we, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm number one. Uh, we all love you here. We do. Uh, Bernie loved you. Lou loved you. And uh, oh, I, love I love you. Lou, too. And we all love you, and we're really happy for your success. You deserve it. You're very talented. You're very sweet. And thank you for calling in on this uh, Bernie Remembrance Day. Really, thank you very much, Carly. Oh, God bless you all, Sid. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. That's Carly Simkus. Check her out every morning. She's on early, 5 o'clock, right through Fox and Friends on Fox News. She's a uh, terrific talent. Thank you, Pete Morgan. You know, a PSA blood test is the first step in screening. If PSA levels return high, further tests may be needed. A doctor may also do a digital rectal exam to feel for bumps or hard areas. Areas, I should say. Be around for your future and make this phone call. Call ARC at 844-3-CANCER-DOC. That's 844 844- Three Cancer Doc, and talking about Cancer Docs, we're going to talk to the Medical Director of Radiation Oncology at Advanced Radiation Centers of New York. We got a full hour along with Nancy Mace of Dr. Sean Zimberg as we start hour number five coming up next on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC remembers our colleague, our friend, radio legend, Bernard McGurk. One year later. Good morning, God bless. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer. The I-Man's next ranch accident permanently keeps him from talking. <laughs> and that he returns to New York in the condition of Stephen Hawking. <laughs> Please join us all day today, honoring the life of our colleague, our friend, Bernard McGurk.
hour number five here of Sitting Friends in the Morning. And ordinarily I get to go home now, but not today. I'm here until noon. No Brian Kilmeade. I agreed to do a six-hour show for my dear friend Bernard McGurk on this very special Bernie Remembrance Day. The uh, show I did last year when, when Bernie died and basically had the Amish reunion, that was six hours. You know, the first time, I'm going to tell you this, Peter, the first six-hour show I ever did yeah. was at that station that you visited me in, in Pompano Beach. Remember the, that? the broom closet? The broom closet, what exactly. What a mess that was. It, look, it was so bad, there was no other side of the glass. My board-up, Eric Lengal, sat next to me, had a little board about this size, hit the buttons, and some days it worked, some days it didn't. That was my radio station. It was unbelievable. I went from the fan to that. And uh, long story short, the um, the Boston Bombers uh, did what they did at the marathon. And um, the Thursday night after the bombing that week, they killed one of the brothers, the Boston police. They killed the older brother, I guess, Tamerlan. And the younger kid was out there. And Friday they started this massive search for the younger brother. And they found him, you may remember, bleeding from his neck in a boat not far from uh, where the bombings took place. But um, that next morning, that Friday morning, I was on from 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. I did seven hours straight because every couple of hours they would go, oh, we think we got him, we think we got him. Now, this was a sports station. I mean, real hardcore sports. And I didn't do one lick of sports that morning. It was all terrorists. And that's when I started to figure out what year was that, probably about uh, 2000. 11, mm. I said, I think I'm done with sports. Maybe I'll do politics. I don't know. Well, then you mix everything in. Right. Then I did it like I do here. Yeah. And it, it all worked and done. Now we're doing the same here. We're number one. Yeah. So, and we got there with the help of Bernard, who, of course, was the reason why I got here back in 2016, my first partner. And he uh, passed away last year, as we know, from prostate cancer. It did metastasize, and he died eventually. This is where folks get it wrong. He didn't die from prostate cancer. He died from brain cancer because that's how the uh, cancer progressed in his body. But we all know the story two or three years prior had a PSA of 18 and then just did nothing about it and came into work one day and sat next to me in this chair every day. And he kept grabbing at his private part. And said, What's going on? It's burning. At that point, I knew it wasn't going to be an STD. He was too old for that. I said, oh, you have a urinary tract infection. Everybody gets that. You have a UTI. I said, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm actually got a check. And they said, no. I said, really? You've got burning? You've got that type of pain? It's not a UTI? What do you think it is? He goes, I don't know. I'm going to go to a doctor and find out. And then he told me I had cancer a couple of days later, and the rest of me know is history. Uh, Dr. Sean Zimberg is the medical director of radiation oncology at Advanced Radiation Centers of New York. He comes highly recommended by one Leslie Slender. And um, that's all I care about because he's about the smartest well, with Danielle, ladies I know. And, um, and I've got two gentlemen in studio, one to my right who's a living legend who's been through prostate cancer. And he's going to tell you what he did, which he rules to this day. And the man to my left, because his father and his relatives went through this, he's never had it. But he's been getting checked annually for 26 years. So with that said, Dr. Sean Zimberg. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate uh, being here. Good it's, to see you. Uh, You're a handsome guy. Well, uh, I appreciate that. Um, but, I, you know, to, to be here on a day with uh, really an important day, I think, as you remember your colleague, uh, and I think, you know, in his uh, honor and legacy to be able to bring this important 
message to your listeners. Um, uh, prostate cancer is a tremendously curable disease if caught early. And I think that really is probably the main theme. Let me stop you right here. Yeah. You say if caught early. I've heard that a million times. Yeah. What does early mean? How specific? Get specific with early. Well, I'll tell you, I would say 95% of the patients that I see daily with a diagnosis of prostate cancer have no symptoms. So unlike what you just told us about Bernie that did have symptoms, if you get checked early, and we can talk about that, but really it's a simple blood test. There, there's almost no other cancer that we see where there's a blood test that can actually find a cancer early. So now it's because a lot of guys over the years, and you'll talk to both Curtis and Peter, but and I think this misconception is still out there, tough guys, you know, because yeah. I think the misconception is, is that some doctor is going to stick his digit up your anus and that type of thing, and guys get freaked out about that, not me personally, but um, that's not part of the exam anymore? That's not part of the whole deal? Well, you know, listen, it's if you have a sore throat, someone's going to look, you know, tell you to open up your mouth and open right. and say, ah, and, you know. Right. Like if the doctor did that, if I had a sore throat, there would be an issue, I would imagine. That's true, that's true. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we, we certainly do uh, We do a DRE to feel the prostate, but that's really, we do. But um, I think the most important test is the PSA. It's the prostate-specific antigen. It's a blood test uh, that... Uh, some national groups advocate getting at age 50 on an annual basis. See, I've uh, heard 40 now. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I think, quite frankly, earlier, 40, 45 is uh, certainly in my opinion. Uh, we've all seen uh, in, in my profession patients who in their late 30s, early 40s, have, have been found to have prostate cancer, and certainly men who have a family history, whether it's a father or an uncle or even an older brother uh, who's, who has had prostate cancer, those men should be getting their PSA even earlier. It's a blood test. It's a simple blood test, right? And the most important thing is not only what the number is, but what's the trend over time. So the earlier you start, the more data points you have as you get older to be able to track this. What is the number that is uh, acceptable? Well, zero to four is kind of the general, um, you know, tr- uh, uh, area that you're looking for, but it's really the increase over time. So if your PSA goes from one to three in a year, you're still below four, so some people may say, well, that's within normal limits. But right. it's really that movement, the velocity, we call it, of the PSA that's important. Okay. So if it stays pretty steady at a one or a two, for a while, you're doing pretty well. Correct. Okay. Correct. Uh, when we get to what is the number where you go, is it a six, is it a seven? Because, again, Bernie was at 18, which sounds uh, huge to me. But six or seven, when do you start to really throw up that red flag? Well, again, it, it, it's something that you want to be tracking. As men get older, the prostate can enlarge just naturally. That's why, you know, there can be urinary problems. It's just a natural enlargement, uh, benign enlargement, BPH. It's called benign prostatic hypertrophy. Uh, and that can raise the PSA slightly over the years. So as long as you know that trend is going slowly, gotcha. uh, it's much different than it doubling or tripling. So the number, like you said, doesn't really, it's not about the number, it's about the trend. Correct. Uh, Curtis Sleeva, one of our real icons, you know Curtis, of course yeah, you I do. do. He, uh, he went through this. Uh, tell us, Doc, about your experience and what you learned about prostate cancer. Well, first off, uh, the tougher you are, the less likely you are to get the test. Uh, we are on the anniversary when Bernie was in the ring with you, hit you so hard, your mother, Nadine, felt the vibrations in the Catskills. Well, Am things. I right? First of all, her name is Naomi, but you're close I'm enough. But uh, why do you keep bringing up that disastrous day, which, <laughs> I, which I'll tell you something funny. I'm glad you did, Curtis. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny. Do you know that Tuesday, today's Thursday, two days ago, October 3rd, yes. was the 20-year anniversary. It was October 3rd, 2003, where Bernie beat me to a pulp. At Chelsea Pierce. But it was a brawl. 20 years. It was a brawl, and you had yeah. two tough guys. 
But I've noted the tougher you are, the less likely you'd even want to talk about prostate cancer. I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, after I had the prostate procedure, the Daily News made me the designated point guy to go into the inner city where black and Hispanic men are more likely to get prostate cancer for a number of reasons. Well, let me stop you there for a second because he's right about that, and I've read, I've read up on this now. It, again, it hasn't been a huge issue in my life until Bernard, but I have seen that. I know he's right about that. Why is that the case, Doc? We don't know, actually. We don't know, uh, we, but we do know that one in seven men, so that's, you know, that's, not, that's a pretty high percentage, one in seven men will develop prostate cancer in their lifetime. Uh, African Americans, um, men of Car- Caribbean descent, which we actually have a, in Long Island, a very large uh, group of, of men, uh, have an even higher incidence of getting prostate cancer. Uh, and as you know, Curtis just said, uh, men tend to be in somewhat of denial, or you know, aren't really interested in their health to the degree that you know maybe women may be. Um, and so we did certainly advocate talking about it. And I think uh, kudos to you for you know. Uh, having having this day in, in, in both remembrance. Well, that, I, I would be in a room and we'd be joking, all the guys joking, you know, the moment I brought up the prostate cancer, silence. So I advocate women out there, whoever you are, whether you're the uh, girlfriend, whether no, you're the wife, the no, daughter, please don't do this. the grandchild, <laughs> please <laughs> nag the man, uh, ma- nag the men in your life because they won't go. They just won't go. And Bernie walked into that room. You remember that day? I do. Uh, I think you directed him, said, go talk to Curtis. He had his prostate taken out. Bernie described all the symptoms that uh, Sid just uh, uh, went into and more. And I knew right away he was in trouble. I I knew right away, uh uh-oh. I said, Bernie, you better get into a hospital right away. And he's still delayed. Men do this all the time. That's why women have to constantly be on their case. Uh, and at times that seems to be the only way to get that man get a simple blood test. And, again, the blood test, you prick your finger. It's like somebody takes a, a little hat pin, pricks your finger, smears it on a little glass, and that's it. It's that's it. They don't even put a needle into you and take blood out like normal blood yeah, tests. Yeah, right. No, it's, it sounds relatively uh, easy. Now, one of the things I did learn, too, about Bernie, we'll get to you, Pete, in a second, was – when he was diagnosed, uh, thank you, Curtis, and stick around, uh, with, uh, with prostate cancer, he started going for treatments, now radiation. And um, he was going three or four days at a time. He, w- he would do the Monday show with me. He'd go to Sloan Kettering on a Tuesday and go home Friday. Now, I've got other folks in my family, friends who died of cancer, were sick with cancer. They would go for a day of chemo, a day of radiation, and go home. He was doing four days at a time. And for a couple of months, he'd be going back every couple of weeks. And I couldn't understand how that wasn't going to kill him before the cancer. That seems like a lot, no, Doc? Well, listen, radiation, a lot of things are dangerous if they're not used correctly, right? And uh, radiation, uh, if used precisely and correctly, uh, can can save lives. Um, So uh, when patients are first diagnosed with prostate cancer, um, one of the options is radiation to cure the cancer. Uh, when we give radiation, we don't want to give it all at one time because, yeah, you could kill the cancer, but you can also damage normal tissue. So when you give it slowly, a little bit at a time, and, right. you know, most of our patients are getting five days a week for a number of weeks. It so there you be, go. It could be five weeks, it could be eight weeks, it could be nine weeks. You're getting a very little bit to the normal tissues so that the damage is now almost eliminated and the cure rates are spectacular. Uh, so when somebody's diagnosed, yeah. like Bernie, unfortunately, later – 
we can also use radiation to help curb some of the symptoms that come from metastatic disease, pain, and those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, and so it can be a number of days a week, as Which, you said. which we had a ton of that. I mean, yeah. between us, and I don't get too graphic, but, you know, he'd be home. He couldn't come into work anymore. He couldn't even sit. He had some, some bad surgery. So he'd be home, and Lou would talk to him from that room in there, Doc. And during the breaks, you could hear him moaning mm. and screaming in pain, and Carol would want to get him his medication. And he would come back on in his regular voice, and certainly his voice changed as he got sicker. It did. Sure. But you talk about courage. He would be literally screaming and moaning, and then the, the red light would come on, and he would... He'd be burning again. Yeah. Um, you, uh, Pete, your, your father, I think, passed away, and now you've gone 26 straight years. Is that right? Yeah, my father was diagnosed in 1997, and a tough guy, right? A 33-year firefighter in Harlem, great career, the whole bit. He was diagnosed and immediately went for eight weeks of yeah. radiation. Yeah. And then he had the choice, obviously, going into it of radiation or uh, and seed implantation, which was pretty early mm-hmm. stages, were having the radical prostatectomy, right. and he chose the seeds. But that didn't end up killing him. Lung cancer did. So, but who knows, right? Who knows if that had something to do with it? We just don't know. But he, he didn't last more than, you know, seven years. Was he a smoker? He, he had stopped smoking, you know, seven years before that, but he smoked forever. Yeah. And, of course, he was eating smoke in every tenement in Harlem. So, yeah. And he was living. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Listen, there's a balance, right? There's a balance. So, uh, But seed implantation, another form of, uh, of of treatment to put radioactive seeds into the prostate. Uh, it's, it's, again, in early stages, very highly effective, uh, whether it's external radiation, seed implantation, uh, or radical prostatectomy, which is removing the prostate. Which is what uh, you did, right, Curtis? That was... I had the prostate taken out, uh, robotic surgery, uh, but I did not even think of any other procedures i i would suggest you definitely take your time unless it's an absolute emergency you, you rue the day that you did that oh, i absolutely do because do you, do you hear that a lot doc from folks who- well you know surgery is um very invasive uh there are some complications uh that that uh could be permanent uh radiation's a non-invasive so that's what i do uh radiation's a non-invasive form of treatment equally effective uh and over the years think of your cell phone uh 10, 15 years ago and yeah, today. Yeah. So the machines that deliver radiation, we can see inside the body every, seconds before we treat a patient each and every day and be extraordinarily more accurate. So that's less collateral damage. And we can now give a, a much higher doses of radiation safer than we could 10, 15 oh, yeah. years and ago. And, Doc, uh, I was calling around. I spoke to this old codger and John Hopkins who had been referred to me. Oh, yeah. So, oh, Curtis, I admire your work, especially here in Baltimore. You know, it's pretty dicey around here. I said, well, what is your procedure, Doc? He goes, I feel the prostate. I said, what do you mean you feel the prostate? <laughs> he goes, yeah. I got the touch over all oh, the years. God. I open you up and I put my hands in there. I said, Doc, I think that's old school. I think I'm going to try something <laughs> else. Yeah. But this guy was like in his 80s, very successful. But I opted to say, I don't think I want to go down that lane because there are so many other procedures that you've talked about, doctor, that are so perfected now that if you just get tested and let's say you have to have a procedure, now you got options. It's like a Chinese menu. Before, you had no options. Sure. That Same was thing. it. Same yeah. thing. Uh, but, but what shocks me, and, and we'll, we'll get back to you in a couple of minutes. Nancy's going to hop on, then we'll get back to you. What shocks me is with all this amazing progress and technology, right? And you talked about the machinery. 
which now when you deliver radiation is really able to pinpoint the, the problem without, you know, destroying good cells. I'm still shocked, Sean, yeah. that we have not found a cure for cancer. I know the research. I know the money. I know you guys lose sleep every night, and people like you make people comfortable when, in fact, they are going through these horrible times. Are you not surprised that this is still out there? Well, I think in general, you know, yeah, of course, but you, you'd you be surprised the amazing advances that are being made. Metastatic prostate cancer, five, seven years ago. That's not long ago. No. 12-month, uh, 24-month uh, is how long men would, would live. Today, it's five years, 10 years, and this is there's five or six or seven drugs on the market now that did not exist five years ago that can improve survival in men with metastatic prostate cancer. So, yeah, finding it early is important to, to cure it, but in men that we can't necessarily cure, we can extend their life far more than we could before. So, you know, a cure, uh, you know, it's hard to, to just say we're not going to have cancer anymore, but we're making strides. Well, just to, to work off of that, when John Kerry was running for president, he had had his prostate removed because his father had prostate cancer. Yeah. At that time, you couldn't talk about it. Yeah. They told, don't mention it. Don't talk about it. People think you have cancer. They won't vote for you. We're looking at a man who may be our next Speaker of the House who has blood cancer. He's receiving treatment now, Scalise. Steve Scalise. Because... Yeah. The perfections in detection and treatment, and as yeah. you mentioned, doctor, medication, this man could end up becoming the Speaker well, of the I, House I, I, and I, live I, I, a I do full the, life afterwards. I, I, I do think the stigma is gone. I mean, yeah. And to your point with John Kerry, I, I have friends whose moms had breast cancer, and the daughters, perfectly healthy, young, beautiful, healthy, they just removed their breasts because they were absolutely you know, convinced that they were going to get what their mother had and didn't want to deal with even that possibility. That's a bit extreme, but you know that goes on. It, it, it does, it does. There's choices, and I think, again, when you just to go back to if you catch this early, if you catch prostate cancer early, there's multiple ways to get to a cure. Uh, you know, prostatectomy, radiation, and the many advances in radiation. In our practice, we're, I'm lucky to work in a practice with a, a large group of urologists, one of the largest group of urologists in the country, uh, advanced urology centers, uh, eight we, of them, by the way. Uh, actually, eight radiation. So advanced oh. radiation centers. We have eight radiation centers. We, we treat all types of cancer, but we're under the same umbrella as the largest urology group. And the urologists are the first line of defense in checking PSAs, doing the diagnosis, and, and then they refer, they refer, they do the prostatectomies, if that's the case, or they refer to radiation. Um, but the point is we ensure that patients who are diagnosed with prostate cancer see both a radiation oncologist and a surgeon so they can really understand you know, yeah, what, yeah, what, what, yeah. what are the risks of each of these procedures? Um, as opposed to just saying you only should do this or you only should do this and then you might be caught with some regret. Well, just, uh, uh, to add to that, I first met the doctor at Prostate Cancer Runs out in Long Island. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you met him already before. Yeah, okay. Where most of the participants had had prostate cancer. Now, wow. 10 years before that, I doubt if any would oh, have been able point. to run point. that run right, that risk. Right. That's a good point. We, uh, we have to take a quick break. You're going to stick around, Sean. Happy to. And uh, we'll take some phone calls from some folks and continue with Peter and Curtis and Leslie. We're going to take a quick break and talk to one of the quote-unquote Trader 8, my dear friend Nancy Mace. Look at that smile, Kurt. She wanted the folks that kicked my boy McCarthy out of the house. We're going to go to South Carolina, talk to Nancy Mace, and then more. With Dr. Zimberg, right after me.
Radio 77 WABC. Boy, this is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Well, first, I think it's a very sad day because I think Kevin McCarthy is one of the most talented leaders I've ever worked with. I think that he accomplished an amazing amount for having a small majority and being having to take on both the Senate and the White House. And I think this is really a tragic outcome. Uh, this was a leader who both gained seats in 2020, gained seats in 2022, increased the number of women members, increased the number of veterans, increased the number of minority members, uh, and he had a vision for a better future. And let, let's be clear here, Sean. Uh, you know, if, if the University of Georgia Bulldogs were the number one team in the country right now, if you started a game and four of the members of the offensive squad decided they were actually on the Alabama side and began tackling your own people, you'd probably get them off the field. Well, think about what we saw today. Four percent, four percent decided they were so morally superior, so intellectually pure, so patriotically better that they would side with the Democrats, and that's what they did, in order to defeat the entire Republican House caucus. Ninety-six percent of the Republicans voted for McCarthy. Four percent voted against him. From my position as a longtime Republican activist, they're traitors. All eight of them should, in fact, be primaried. They should all be driven out of public life. What they did was to go to the other team to cause total chaos. Love somebody like you. I don't even know if Newt Gingrich is right of everything he said, but I loved it. And I felt bad now because a part of that Traitor 8 <laughs> includes my friend Nancy Mace. Nancy was just here in studio Monday, but you guys know her and I have gotten very, very, very close. In fact, I called her right after Patrick told her to leave the bedroom before she went to Tim Scott's breakfast that morning. <laughs> But she is one of the eight, and, and look, she did say in the studio Monday before that she was agreeing with Matt Gates, so she was very transparent. But I'm still disappointed. I mean, but look, she can easily talk me out of it now, because as impressive as it was with what Newt Gingrich says, I'm still loyal to Nancy May. So good morning, Nancy. Um, how are you today? I'm good. Good morning, Sid. How are you? I told you. I, I told you from the beginning. Said I'm hard to love. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's in, that's that's entirely incorrect. You're easy to love. You're you're smart. You're beautiful. You're funny. You're easy to love. But I'm having a hard time when friends are calling my friend a traitor. You are now you are now yeah. known as a traitor. Well, I would I would encourage anyone, including the former speaker, calling me or anybody else a traitor, to look it up in the dictionary. It's literally about selling out your country. And what I did Tuesday night was for the country because for me this was not an, this was not left versus right. This was about right versus wrong. This was about trust and keeping your word. And we have a law in this country that says we're supposed to have a budget. We have these different spending bills. We were promised this was going to happen. And it never and it never fully came to fruition. And then 
you know, you have Congress skirting a law led by the former speaker. He made me many promises on many different pieces of legislation and then ne- never followed through on their word. And so for me, we need to lead our country out of the mess that we're in with someone we can trust, someone who, who will keep their word. That is the very minimum we can do. And I, quite frankly, said I am excited about next week. We're going to have a speaker's race and a speaker's vote. I am talking to all of the members who are throwing their hat in the ring for speaker. And I do believe that any of the three that have announced they're going to run will be great for the people, great for the country, and will keep their word. And that's at the bare minimum. That's just that's the low bar that we have to do. Until Gates turns on, and then you'll do the same thing to them you did to poor uh, Kevin. (laughs) Who do you like? Uh, I mean, this has been the least – I just want to be clear. This has been the least productive Congress we have had in years. And we we barely won the majority last year. We should have been the most productive we've ever been. We have an inflation crisis, a border crisis, a women's crisis, and we haven't done anything to move the ball forward on the issues that the American people care about. And everything is in the balance next year in 24, everything. And we've got to win it all. And I, and I, I will work with anyone willing to work with me. And, you know, I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and do it. Somebody said to me yesterday, they said, you know, this whole Donald Trump lawsuit in, in New York, and, and I know you, you feel badly for Donald like I do, he's a friend, is ridiculous. This is just a personal vendetta that Letitia James has against Trump. And, and a lot of people have described what happened to McCarthy as the same thing, a personal vendetta that Matt Gates had against McCarthy. And that same person, I forgot where I, where I saw this person, they said, and, and of all the people, of all the eight that went against uh, McCarthy, Nancy Mace disappointed me the most. And it's not the only place I've heard that. And they said, and the reason why is, yeah, I know she, the women stopped the abortion and some other bills that she wanted to get done. And Nancy Mace should know better than to make this personal. Her bills didn't get done. She didn't get what she wanted to get done. But she needs to be in it for the better of the group. More than one person said that Nancy Mace individualized this whole thing, and that disappointed them. Is there any truth to that? Any no, not at all. In fact, when I when I made the vote, I went out on Twitter. You can follow me on at Nancy Mace or at Rep Nancy Mace and see what I talked about. I talked about why this needed to happen. I only have one vote, one voice. That's it. I don't have anything else. And I have my word. And when you say to the American people, we're going to have a budget, we're going to follow the law, we're going to get put power back into the people's hands with regards to spending. We're not going to skirt the law and only allow the two or three most powerful people in Congress to decide how the government is going to run. That's wrong. And for me, this was a vote of principle, is a vote of conscience. And, you know, I have to deal with the consequences of that. But I know in the long term, I am doing the right thing for our country in 2008, said I was a young mom. My oldest was two. I was getting ready to have my second kid. I started my own company, and I could not afford health insurance. And Cobra at that time, the market was crashing. Cobra for a family of four was around $1,500 a month, and I couldn't afford it. And I remember watching all these fights about the speakership and about spending in Washington and being so angry and pissed off having to balance my checkbook, having to figure out how I'm going to pay my bills, start this company, pay the salaries of my employees, not being sure how to make payroll and, and starting out and being you know, wide-eyed and open and watching what Washington did. 
And it would make me so furious as as a middle American seeing what goes down. Washington thinks they have no guardrails, no accountability, no transparency, that they don't know the American people anything. And that's wrong. And Congress doesn't have the right to say, well, we have we have money because we have checks and we're just going to write as many checks as we want to. We don't have to balance a checkbook. We don't have to hold ourselves to the same legal standard that the average American does. And you can't expect the average American, our fellow Americans, to follow the law when Congress itself won't follow its own laws. This has been a disease. It's an illness, a cancer within the Congress that's been around for decades. And it's time to cure it. And the only way you cure it is finding people who are strong enough to stand up to the machine, stand up to the establishment, and say no more. And, and this is good for, for everybody. When you have the 12 separate spending bills, they're vetted via committee. You have an open amendment process. You make them better. I'll probably never agree with the top-line spending number, but at least every member of Congress gets to have a say, to vote on those amendments, to get amendments cleared and ruled in order to be put onto the bill. It's a much more open and transparent process. We are a republic. The people deserve to have a voice, and we don't need to have the, the two or three four most powerful people making all the decisions for the nation at one time via these these never-ending continuing resolutions and omnibuses and all those things, it needs the power needs to be in the hands of the people, and that's what this is about. Fair enough. Two more. We'll let you run. Uh, Curtis Sliwa, I think you know who Curtis is. He's Mr. Guardian Angel. He uh, he's he's uh, your, your biggest fan now. He's sitting here. He's fist pumping. He, but then again, he leads these uh, rallies, of course, all over town. He's got a group called the Rebels. And he's now made you an honorary rebel. I'm not sure if you want that, but congratulations, Nancy. You're now an honorary rebel. <laughs> so uh, whether it's Jordan or Scalise or whoever takes over from McCarthy, and you're convinced, and you're probably right, they'll do a better job. What's the first thing they need to do where you can say, ha-ha, I told you? Well, keep their commitment. We committed to having a budget and 12 spending bills. We've got eight more spending bills to do. We've done four. Let's do those over the next two weeks. Put it into Schumer's hands. He's, he's got four bills. He needs to get all 12. And let's put the onus on Schumer on how spending looks. We need to give it our best shot, give it the best fight, give it everything that we have, and do what's right by the American people. We don't have a lot of time. It's got to be done in short order. I wish we were we were having hearings today on appropriations and on the impeachment inquiry. We could do that right now, but Congress decided, oh, we're going to take a break right now, which is not what we need to be doing. But as soon as we elect our speaker, we got a lot of work to do. We can get it done in the next few weeks and move forward so it's it's uh fair to assume then nancy on the way out and thank you for making time for me as you always do mm-hmm. thank you always thank you always. i love you too I love uh you. It, it's fair to assume nancy mace that people calling you a traitor and all these that doesn't bother you right you're, you're wearing this as a as a badge of uh of a courage if you will that you are doing the right thing by the american people and folks who don't get it maybe are just misinformed maybe are ignorant but you are convinced you're doing the right thing Mm-hmm. I am. And, you know, the establishment is coming after me hard. They're threatening to throw me off of committees, throw me out of the conference, dry up my fundraising. And if people agree with me that it needs to be about the people and not party to do the right thing, make if you make a promise, keep it. I need all the help I can get, Sid, and people can go to nancymace.org. Well, I'm going to be loyal to you no matter what. So as far as I'm concerned, you're right. New Gingrich is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, get through the day, get to the next couple of days. Good luck next Tuesday, and uh, keep doing the great job that you're doing. By the way, uh, 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 Trump, how would he feel about this? I'm just curious. 
Well, you'll have to ask him the next time the next time that he's on. And I, I believe he put something on True Social within the last few hours about the speaker's race next week. This is an exciting time for us to unite and move forward and get to work. And I'm very excited about it. Nancy, thank you so much, as always. Thank you. Thank you, Sid. All right. Take care. That's Nancy Mace out of uh, South Carolina, and she's remaining steadfast that she did the right thing. And uh, if you don't like it, well, screw you. Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. All right. Got about uh, 10 minutes here with the doctor. Our new buddy here, Sean Zimberg. He's the medical director of radiation oncology at Advanced Radiation Centers of New York. Here's a dear friend, checks in, Doc. His name is Heshi Organbaum. He, liked Dove Hyken, is the king of all Jews. And he says, can you please ask the doctor about HIFU, H-I-F-U, sound wave treatment? What do you think about that? So it's a newer technology. It's high-intensity frequency ultrasound, basically using ultrasound waves directed to the prostate. Uh, it is really new. Uh, up until recently, it was only available in Mexico. So, you know, it, it's still kind of in its infancy. Uh, it was originally approved just for what's called tissue ablation, not really cancer treatment. So I think it's one of these things that uh, we should be keeping our eye on. It's certainly not at the same level as the tried and true and uh, and studied treatments like, you know, radiation and surgery for prostate cancer. But uh, like anything else, um, you know, it's out there, and, and we need to keep an eye on it. Okay, good. Let's go to uh, some of these phone calls, Doc. Here is uh, Bobby in Verona, New Jersey, and um, he says he had stage four. Bobby, good morning. Uh, say hello to Dr. Zimberg. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, um, I don't know if you recall, but the day that Bernard was going to get his faithful, um, you know, findings at the doctor, I called and we were talking. I told Bernie, you know, it's not a death sentence. You know, I, I'm being treated now two years, uh, August. And uh, it did metastasize to my bones. Um, and, you know, I clouded this, my, you know, certain organs, my kidney, my bladder. But they, uh, you know, radiated my shoulder for a tumor there in my back. We had to you know, do um, chemotherapy. So my PSA went down from 2,574 to now down to 1.4. Wow. Yeah, Doc. Well, yeah, it uh, you know, you're you're an example of technology and uh, science and what we can do today to, uh, you know, take a situation which uh, I'm I'm sorry that you're dealing with. uh, But there are things that can be used. Like you said, you've had radiation. It's helped. uh, Chemotherapy has helped. There's a brand new uh, injectable radiation. It's called uh, Pluvicto. uh, And it's actually uh, radiation that's attached to a monoclonal antibody or uh, which, which attracts to something on the membrane of prostate cancer cells, the PSMA uh, antigen, and uh, it is a game changer potentially. In fact, it's so. Is that imp- something that the patients would do themselves, or they must come to you? The no, doctor? they need to come to uh, our practice, or uh, the radiation oncologist, to uh, get that injection. Um, but it is so. Um, uh, sought after that the company's having trouble even getting making it no and kidding. getting it out to patients. Oh, it so, sounds it sounds like a pretty exciting breakthrough. It, it is. It really is. That's great. Let's go to uh, Doctor Zim. Let's go to uh, we're on that level, by the way. Now you're Doctor Zim. Go, yeah. like Marianne that. in Hopog on line three. Good morning, Marianne. Hi. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you. Um, I'm sorry about Bernie. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So my husband, um, he had, his his PSA is like normal in that range. 
and it hasn't been um, elevating over the years. But recently, about two years ago, my husband had a stent put in, and um, he is fine otherwise, and there was no damage to anything. Um, but he takes a certain medication, right? So one day, uh, not to be too graphic, he was passing blood in his urine. And, of course, every time you look that up, it's like cancer, 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 you know. So, of course, I rush him to the, you know, the doctor. And they did, like, the um, scraping of the bladder, I believe. And then they did, like, sonograms. And then they said, oh, it was maybe kidney stone. Maybe it was just, um, you know, that medicine. So now it happens again. And now we're going through the process again. But, like, is this doctor, like, lax? Is this, should we rush to somebody else? I'm just nervous. Well, you know, again, the, the cancer, there's many, many symptoms. And I think for the, the important thing, especially for, you know, patients out there or, you know, men in general, we're talking about prostate cancer, that are afraid of a diagnosis, most of these symptoms are not being caused by cancer. Uh, blood in the urine, you know, it happens. It's very scary, of course. But you mentioned it could be from a kidney stone. It could be from, uh, you know, something in the, in the bladder, the, the whole urine system. Uh, and that's why you need to see a urologist. So when these things happen, the most important advice I can give is go get checked. Uh, symptoms are probably not cancer, but if they are, you want to catch it early. So it doesn't sound to me like there's too much to worry about, but you need to see a good urologist. And, you know, again, in our group, uh, I think impdocs.com is where you can see all of our urologists and, and get checked out. Sean Zimberg, once again, the medical director of radiation oncology at Advanced Radiation Centers of New York, has about... Three more minutes, so let's go over to Tommy, Long Beach, not far from where Bernie lives. He's online, too. Good afternoon or good morning, Tommy. Hey, Sid. I've been listening to you guys, to you since um, you were on the sports guys. Um, ah, good have, man. That's already 23 years ago. 23 years. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so my question for the doctor is, um, what is the difference kind of like between what you guys do and what one of your sponsors, Dr. Lederman, does? Well, hard to say. Uh, you know, the different doctors do different things. But you know, I think the most important thing is to uh, be involved in the standard of care, right? We, you know, Those of us that uh, do this on a daily basis and are dedicated to it, uh, things are always changing. So very hard to to tell you what another doctor does. Let's go to Mike in New Rochelle, online four. That was a, a pretty skeevy move, by the way. Uh, Mike, yeah, I mentioned another doctor. What a dick. Mike in New Rochelle, line four. Good morning, Mike. Hi, good morning, guys. Uh, listen, I have a question. Um, so I'm 55, retired police officer. I was down at ground zero. Uh, did some time down there. That's, that's one of my concerns because I know that prostate cancer, colon cancer pops up. I go for my, my yearly physicals and checks, but um, is there anything that I need to other tests? I, I, you know, I do have the physicals, but is there something I should be asking my doctor to, to, to check? I mean, I know the blood work, but I just want to make sure that, that he's on top of what he's supposed to do. Yeah. Well, when we're talking about prostate cancer, again, it's the PSA, it's that blood test. Uh, and, you know, those of, uh, of you that were uh, in the area, uh, 9-11, uh, there's, you know, a very strong uh, medical presence uh, for following uh, uh, first responders or people that were there. And prostate cancer is on that list of cancers that may be related to, you know, some of the inhalants and uh, some of the exposures down there. But uh, from that point of view, PSA, uh, you know, other cancers, we, we don't have time to really talk about it, but colonoscopies, uh, lung cancer screenings, if you smoke, 
you know, these are the things that seeing your general internist, uh, they're going to be able to make sure that those things are happening. A couple more minutes to go. Let's uh, get back to the panel here. I love this panel. Leslie Slender, Pete Morgan. Curtis, Curtis, any uh, parting words for the doctor on the way out? Yes, uh, for you, Sid. I want you to get a colonoscopy and endoscopy at the same time. They meet right in the middle there. Why why do you have this fascination with torturing me anally? What is that about? (laughs) (laughs) But no, women out there, please, women, this is the one time in life you can nag the men in your life. Be all over them. They must get that simple prick of their finger which is a PSA test. It saves lives. Don't let your men bamboozle you, tell you, oh, I had it, or I demand the results. It's a piece of paper. It'll let you see what the results are. Don't let the guy get away, slither away, because he's afraid to discuss prostate uh, cancer, which most men are. You know, uh, Curtis used the word afraid. Okay. And I've never been afraid, but I don't go. And it's not that I'm afraid necessarily. It's that it just doesn't sound fun. Like I'd rather be going to the gym or I'd rather be going out to eat. I think Curtis is right. I think there are a lot of men out there that are afraid to know the truth. If I am sick, I'd rather not know. But for me, I've never been afraid. I just, I know it sounds immature, but it just doesn't sound fun. Like I, I don't really like going to the doctor. Well, listen, we, you know, we all go through life with a sore throat or a little pull back, whatever. These are things, you know, you, you don't deal with, they, they, they heal. But, you know, cancer is something that if it gets out of control and, you know, we're, we're here to, to celebrate your, your colleague uh, yeah. where that happened, yep. um, nobody wants that. So, you know, and, and you don't want that to drive you to, to get checked, but it's really just about knowing, right? So if something's going on, you want to know because we can do something about it, right? We can cure it with very, very, with, you know, radiation today, minimal, minimal side effects. Men can be cured, and we're doing it all the time. You know, most of my patients are cured, um, right. you know, but those of us that uh, may let fear guide uh, and push us away from these simple, simple tests, uh, you know, that can be a problem. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, in Bernie's case, that that, that was... You know, that's what happened. Yeah. Pete Morgan, one more time on the way out. Just be, get tested, get tested early, do it annually, and you'll be fine. You've got to be impressed. He's gotten out for 26 straight that's years. That's amazing. Now. Yeah, no, it's great. That's... Sid accuses me of enjoying the exam, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> ah, yeah. there's, a, there's another theme going on here. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> I mean, you, you, but you hear stuff like that all the time, right? Like when you go to the doctor, does he dim the lights and the, the flowers? Uh, what kind of music does he play? <laughs> exactly. But on a serious note, it, it, it's, it's uh, trying to be funny, but... They're just making excuses, basically, right? That's it. You know, again, the, the, you think about the important part of this, right? It's, yeah. it's uh, finding what's going on. Exactly right. And uh, for folks who want to know more about any one of these, now you talked about you have eight radiation centers. We do. But you have, explain this to me now, you have one or two headquarters, so, if you will. Yeah, so we, we, our group is Integrated Medical Professionals. It's the largest um, urology-based practice uh, in the in the New York metropolitan area. Um, we have uh, 70, 80 urologists uh, in metropolitan New York. Uh, we have state-of-the-art pathology labs, state-of-the-art molecular testing. Uh, our radiation uh, affiliate, which is the where I'm the medical director of advanced radiation centers, uh, state-of-the-art cancer treatment centers. You don't have to go to a hospital to be treated. Uh, we treat uh, all forms of cancer. Uh, you know, has, Again, today we're talking about prostate cancer and all the state-of-the-art things uh, that go along with that, uh, but breast cancer, lung cancer, you know, brain cancers, all those things. So we're here for you uh, if, if you need anything, and that's at advancedradiationcenters.com. Advancedradiationcenters.com. You're very impressive. 
Nice guy, smart guy, look great. And um, oh, happy you convinced me. I'm happy to be here. Yep. Nice to have you. You need to go to Thank him you. soon. Yeah, I do. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, we'll. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna see you soon. The table okay. cleared here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a number of treatments are available for men newly diagnosed with prostate cancer, depending on the stage, grade, and life expectancy of the patient. The most common are active surveillance, surgery, talking about open laparoscopic or robotic radiation therapy, which the doc talked about quite a bit this morning. Uh, IMRT, IMGRT, and seed implantation. Call 8443-CANCER-DOC. That's 8443-CANCER-DOC-DOC. And again, uh, Dr. Sean Zimberg, you are great. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank God you for bless having you. me. You're doing, you're doing God's work. We'll take a short break. We've got one more hour to go. A lot of Bernie fans. The voice of the New York Knicks and the NBA, the beloved Mike Breen, will join us next. And then Joseph Abood and Corey Selnick live in studio. Sixth and final hour of Sitting Friends in the Morning about to come your way. Seventy-seven WABC remembers our colleague, our friend, radio legend Bernard McGurk. One year later, President Trump, welcome to the brand new Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show on WABC. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long, and Sid, you too. But I've known Bernard for—we don't want to say how long, right, Bernard? <laughs> no, it's, been, it's been a while. Please join us all day today, honoring the life of our colleague, our friend. Bernard McGurk. Hard to believe it was a year ago tonight. Again, I told the story five hours ago in hour number six of the show today. I got a call on Yom Kippur from Mike Breen. I, I don't get a lot of calls. You understand, I'm friends with Mike Breen for 23 years, and we've texted each other thousands of times, but... You can count on one hand the amount of times you've talked on the phone. And to get a call on Yom Kippur felt kind of weird. Now, I missed a call. I was in bed and tired. And I looked at Danielle and I said, wow, I just missed a call from Mike Breen. I wonder what that's about. Maybe it's a butt dial. And then I got a text moments after and it said, uh, Sid, please call me. It's important. And I looked at Danielle and I said, oh, no. No. Because I had told you guys, of course, just a week before at my book signing at the America First Warehouse, I spoke to Bernard on the phone, and despite the message coming from the station and others, which was optimistic, I told you guys that next morning, that Thursday morning, a week before he passed, I told you guys he doesn't have a lot of time. Did I not, Lou? Is that not exactly what I said? He sounded exactly like the Jimmy Conn, Brian Piccolo depiction in Brian's song. Exactly. Yeah, I could see it in your face too. That Thursday morning, right, buddy? Yes, right? You said it's not uh, it's not good. No, it's I could tell. Yeah. You. So once I saw the missed text from Breen, I knew it wasn't about Julius Randall. <laughs> and then I figured he was gone and then Mike called me and he was gone. And Mike was uh, beautiful at uh, both uh, ceremonies. We had a at Bernie's Church on Long Island and of course St. Patrick's Cathedral and then at the cemetery him and his beautiful wife Roe. And look, they were very close. Mike and uh, Bernie were really close. I mean, really, really close for a long time. Mike didn't take it well. And probably still doesn't a year later. So here he is, the voice of the Knicks, the voice of the NBA, a Hall of Famer, 
and one of the best people you'll ever meet, my friend Mike Breen. Mike, it's a year already, pal. You believe that? A year. No, it's sometimes it sometimes it feels like it's ten years ago. Sometimes it feels like it was a week ago. Yeah. Um, but I was so thrilled to hear uh, earlier today about. Uh, first off, I'm I'm talking to you from from Nassau County, which of course here in Nassau County today is Bernard McGurk Day. Wasn't that wonderful? And wonderful. And there are hundreds of people walking around Nassau County with FedEx envelopes on their head. I think that's the perfect tribute to our man B. Oh, that is great. That is great. You're right. And then um, um, I heard the the gentleman talk about uh, maybe get a a Bernard McGurk uh, street named after our guy. Yeah. So it's it's wonderful. And, you know, I want to thank thank you, Sid, and and Lou, of course, uh, who, you know, knows Bernard as long as, as any of us, uh, and John Castamatidis for, for keeping his name alive, the fact that they named the studio after him, and you hear that every morning. and uh, It's a wonderful tribute uh, because it shows the impact that he had. Uh, seriously, I, I all the time, I still get people coming up to me, you know, whether it's Nick fans, whether it's old Imus fans, whether it's just friends of mine who I hadn't seen in a while, and they're still asking me, uh, oh boy, I miss Bernie. Yeah. I miss Bernie. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's amazing the impact that he had, and it was because of the type of person he was. He just be related to everyone. He everyone could relate to him. He was your 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 every man type of person, and uh, I think that's that was kind of the special quality uh, that he had. Because if you listened to him or you watched him or you met him, like he just. You could say, well, I could be friends with that guy. People used to say that to me all the time. He must be a great guy to, to be around. And that's that's just the the, uh, the personality that he portrayed to everybody. Yeah, you nailed it. And, and similar to what you get, Mike, I, I get the same thing. I you know I get stopped often now because I'm a big star. And uh, and people will say to me, man, it's great to see you. And, and I'm sorry about your partner. It's a year later, I'm sorry about your partner. And I get that, Michael, every day, every day from somebody, if not more than one, in New York. And I think you just know that, look, I've always talked about uh, Bernie was a talented guy. There's no question, no question. But I think I miss even more than the radio, which was great. He was funny. He was brilliant, one of the smartest guys I ever met. The Bernie off the air was, was somebody so special. I made this point time and time again today. When my father was dying, and I just needed somebody to talk to. He was always there to talk to me, always, or if I was having some type of other personal issue. And he had such an optimistic outlook on life. He, and he always had the right answer, man. He, I remember one time I said to him, I go, you know you're annoying. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, he's annoying. I said, because, because he just made me feel better, and I really didn't want you to, damn it. I wanted to be miserable today, and you just made me feel better. But that was him, right? Wasn't that him? Right. Oh, of course. And the thing, too, he never talked down to anyone, anyone. Um, and part of it, like, I, I heard the introduction when he said uh, radio legend, and he was a radio legend, and he had no idea. He had no idea what a big deal that he was. And that's that's another one of the beautiful traits of him, his humility, something we could all use a little bit more of. Um, yeah. Because the guy was – he was so damn smart. We talk about the humor, and the, the the comedy is the great unifier. But he was so damn smart, in in, in addition to being so funny. Uh, but he never carried himself that way. 
and, and that's that's one of the great things. You know, I still do. Every once in a while, I go back and I watch the YouTube. Thank goodness for the YouTube videos. Oh yeah, they're great. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the problem is, you start watching one or two of his videos, <laughs> you're there for the next two hours. <laughs> You can't you can't that much because you're laughing yeah, so hard. It's true. And uh, I've done it. I've I've done it on um, on a plane sometimes, and like people look at you like what what's wrong with this person because you're laughing out loud. Yeah, it's, it's true. Just, um, yeah. It's it it's wonderful to have those. You know, it it clearly makes you sad that he's not with us anymore, but that makes you feel like he's still with us and he's still spreading the joy that he did so well for so long. And like you said, uh, here at our studios, I'm looking at a beautiful sign on the door right now, the Bernard McGurk Studio. We mention his name in tape every morning, every afternoon. As you said, John Katzmatidis, make sure we keep his memory alive. And, and, I, and, and, and Lou, you can attest to this, maybe five, maybe three Shows in the last year where at some point I didn't mention Bernard about something. Oh, almost never. Almost never. And it's not even a conscious decision that I make. That's, that goes to show you how, how much he meant to me. I just, I'll just be talking about something and I'll mention Bernie or Bernard. But I have to tell you, uh, in a much different uh, light than what we're talking about, you know, there was some question. I think people had question, Mike, honestly. What was going to happen when Bernie was gone? How would, you know, could Sid boo by himself, blah, blah, blah. And there was going to be a life after Bernie on the air, which is much less important than losing my friend. But there was going to be a life after Bernie on the air. And similarly, although not as tragic, they're both alive. You're kind of facing the same situation this year. All the great memories that me and Bernie made, you did the same with Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. And they pulled them both from you. Now, you're an ultimate pro. You're a Hall of Famer. You know, No matter who you work with, you're going to be great. But you're in that kind of transition mode this year, too, like I've been over the last year. Is that, is that fair to say? Well, you, you bring up a topic that, that um, I think sometimes doesn't get discussed in terms of reasons for any kind of success, and, and that's chemistry. Now, we, we've all worked with a lot of people. Um, I've worked with a lot of people, both on the IMA show and obviously in, in, um, in the NBA broadcasting, and you've done as well in various different shows, TV and radio. And when you get that special chemistry, um, you just you feel so grateful for it. And it, it's nothing you can force. Sometimes it, it happens right away. Sometimes it takes a little while. But it, it just it's hard to explain why it clicks. And you and Bernard, you had that. There was just something about it. And that's what made the show so wonderful because uh, you two were different in so many ways. But you're also similar, and and the chemistry that you had and developed so quickly was what made the show such a must-listen. So when you take away part of that chemistry, there's obviously going to be a question, can it, can it be as good? And I, I think he'd be so proud of you wow. by what you've done to continue the show with a success. Um, and certainly he taught you things that the influence he had on you is – I can hear it in you every day, just oh. like you taught him things yeah. when yeah. you were with yeah. him, yeah. and you made each other better. And yeah. that kind of chemistry, uh, it's rare to have in the business, and that's what made that show so special. So I understand what it's like to have special chemistry uh, with people that I work with. I felt the same way when I was on the IMAS show, uh, and I felt the same way when I was with Jeff and Mark. Yeah. But that's to me, that was the special thing on the show with you two guys. You mm-hmm. just – it, it's something and fake. It's something you can't just uh, force to have happen. It just happens, and there it is. 
uh, for the delight of all the listeners. You are so right. So I do want to ask you one question about the Knicks. I have to. I'm, I'm, I'm staring at Corey Zelnick, who, of course, sits right behind you at Madison Square Garden every night. Season ticket holder, Pete Morgan to my left, who's there for the Rangers and Knicks quite often as well. And, uh, you know, we had this great year last year. Jalen Brunson, just unbelievable. I thought quickly really distinguished himself, obviously. You know, Randall has his moments. There's no question. I think he's got to be more consistent. But we certainly became a, you know, a top-tier Eastern Conference team. But I got to tell you, Mike, when I look at uh, the Celtics bringing in Drew Holiday and I look at Milwaukee bringing in Damon Lillard and I'm looking for that guy that's making my team a heck of a lot better, I don't see him. So last year was great. I think we took a major step forward. But when two of the teams that are better than you in the conference get even better and you don't move a heck of a lot, how am I supposed to feel about this upcoming season? You should feel hope because they gave us hope last year. Um, And continuity is huge in the NBA. Continuity of of the same coaching staff. Continuity of the the core of the roster um, being together. Basketball is, like we talked about with chemistry, a big part of basketball is is chemistry. It's still a five-man game. And you've got to have that chemistry with your teammates. And that takes sometimes, that takes a while to develop. Do you need that superstar to put you over the top and get, get into uh, championship contender status? Absolutely. And that's something they're searching for. But I like the fact that they're not just trying to pick up any former all-star just to say, okay, this will make us a little better. Uh, I, I think what the front office is doing is they're waiting and to see when they can land that guy who's going to take them from a good team to a championship contender. And, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen during the course of a season. It seems every year now a a new player uh, decides he wants to be traded, and all of a sudden there's a guy that you can go after. But they're they're really good. And and Jalen Brunson, you know, we knew he was going to be a good player. I don't think many people knew that he had a chance to be like a real star the way he was. Agreed. And when you have somebody like that in playing that position – um, everybody kind of follows behind. So I, I think it's going to be a really fun year um, because of that continuity, because of the star player Brunson and and a really good roster. That makes sense. I'm excited to see R.J. Barrett, too. I think he's a guy that can improve to be, you know, a force. I mean, he, he puts the ball, he puts the ball down, he takes it to the hoop, he gets to the free throw line often. He's kind of that slasher-type player, doesn't settle for many jumpers like Randall does. So to me, I want to see R.J. Barrett get a little better. If he does, then the same roster, to your point, could be a much better basketball team. Uh, regardless, uh, I love you. Bernard loved you. Uh, you were there for me uh, in a big, 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 big way last year. I hope I was there for you, too. And uh, we all love you, and thank you so much for hopping on today. I know you're busy, but uh, we all love you, especially Bernard. Mike, thank you. Well, we're we're also proud of you, Sid, and, and grateful that you, you keep his name going and have days like this. Uh, to make us remember. And when I get off the phone, I'm probably going to go watch a couple of YouTube videos for a couple of laughs. That's awesome. Good for you. I love you, Mike Breen. Thank you. Thank you. What a terrific guy. My God. I mean, tremendous at what he does, obviously. He's the best basketball announcer in the world. Mike Breen is the best basketball announcer in the world. But he's a better man. The advice that the advanced radiation centers would like to give to men about prostate cancer screening, have baseline prostate cancer testing, reduce the amount of processed meat in your diet, and get regular exercise. If you've been diagnosed, call advanced radio centers today, radio, advanced radiation centers today at 844-3-CANCER-DOC, 
That's 844-3-CANCER-DOC-D-O-C. And the very handsome combination of Joseph Aboud and Corey Zelnick are coming up next on Sid and Friends. WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Thirty-six on your Thursday morning. You've been with us since six o'clock. I thank you for that. That's called time spent listening. That's a long show. Brian Kilmeade is usually here from ten to noon, but on this very special Bernie Remembrance Day, for my friend Bernard, I agreed for the third time in my career to stay on for six hours. One was right after the Boston bombings in the last two years for Bernard, and I'm all too happy to do it. And what a guest list we've had today! My God, from Dating back to 6.45 this morning, which feels like about six months ago. John Katsimatidis, Curtis Sliwa, Frank Morano, Andrew Napolitano, Bruce Blakeman, the Nassau County executive that has now dubbed today Bernard McGurk Day and is naming a street, mind you, after Bernard. Warner Wolf, Connell McShane, Nancy Grace, Nancy Mace, Carly Shimkus, Mike Breen, Patsy Siciliano, Pete Morgan's been here all morning long. The bagels are hard already, and now I've got uh, two of my, and when I say my favorite people, I really mean that, with Corey Zalnick, who looks like a million, that's an Abu jacket, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you look great. Thank you. And uh, Joseph himself, who, I think you get better looking, but you, you are starting to look a lot like Charlton Houston. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you, you got know, the, the white hair, you're yeah, tan, yeah, and yeah, 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 you got to, yeah. you know, you're, 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 you're uh, yeah. in good shape. That's a beautiful jacket. Thanks. I'd rather be John Derrick, but uh, well, 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 you got right. to marry. Um, well, you, you wouldn't want to be John Derrick now. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. Yeah. But certainly when Dudley Moore was chasing Bolt down the beach <laughs> that's right. that's who to Rebel's Bolero. <laughs> How many guys know that, by there the way? Go, that's yeah. right. That's pretty good. That's pretty damn that's good. Right. That's right. So of that jacket, of course, we're on radio, so you can't see it. Right. This is a complete waste of time, but I don't care because uh, I'm looking at it. And I just want it. What, 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 what collection is that? This what was is... the collection that you came to at the piers. 
Do you remember oh, this show? Oh, what a great show. Yeah, this is yeah. from that. This is, uh, you know, I have all those pieces. They're all archive pieces. And I said, what the hell? Wear them. You know, they're they gorgeous. fit me. And, and they're one-of-a-kind pieces. And I just, you know, I still love clothes. And, you know, I love you guys still wanting to get dressed up. We were talking before about. Well, think about that for a second. There's four guys in the studio right now all wearing nice sport jackets, right. all dressed very right. nicely. Right, right, right. Isn't that yeah. great, though? Of Isn't course it's great. great. So the, the whole idea of it coming back and getting guys dressed again is, uh, you know, is important. It really is. And I love the fact that you love getting dressed, that you're away from your sports hoodies and, your, and no, now you're right. really dressing yeah. like a celebrity. Yeah. yeah. But I actually wear a tuxedo well, to sleep. But watch. <laughs> but watch. But here's what it is. You're dressing the part. And that's what clothes are all about. Yeah. Dressing yeah. the part. Well, that's yeah. you. I mean, and, uh, well, you know. I'm a designer. I figured, right. you know, I so better show yeah. up you're, looking you're like flashy. <laughs> like Corey is a, is a, is a smart uh, real estate right. conservative. And he dresses that And he's way. wearing the right suit for that. Correct. You're not, you know? not going to see Corey. Pete's an entrepreneur. Pete Pete, Pete's an entrepreneur. He's wearing a great jacket. Beautiful So jacket. you have to learn to dress the part. Yes. That's what you have to do. You're right about that. You know, and, uh. So, so Corey, so Corey, you and I spoke at like four o'clock this morning. Yes. And, uh, you know, you said, good luck on the show and all that. I said, listen, Corey, stop. Good luck. He loved you, Bernie. He really did love you. And you and he had quite a bit back then. Back then, especially the year before he got sick. The year before he got sick. You were in the studio quite a bit. And we would talk about, uh, you know, the real estate, COVID. But not even that. You just came like, like a buddy, like Pete Morgan or Joseph does. And I said, no, you got to be here this morning. And you did show up, thank God. But uh, Bernie really did love him. I know you loved him, too. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I appreciate the invitation. Wasn't looking for it, but I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. Glad with to have Joe, you. Joe, for sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you were part and, of our six-man crew the day we all yes. did the show together and then yeah. walked to St. Patrick's. That's right. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, to this day, Pete Morgan, for some reason, is fascinated by one picture on his phone. He's got a million pictures. And that is of Joseph Abood putting my tie on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did need a little help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of help. what a shock. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. Bernie and I, the thing with Ber- with Bernie and I, and and what happened was, and with Joseph and his store, and and when Joseph had invited you guys over for fittings and all that yeah. stuff, and we had that one party. Remember, we exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. But it was that first time he came in for a fitting, and I said to Bernie, because I've been a fan of the show since forever, and I said to Bernie, I apologize for like this little fanboy moment. You actually use that word, fanboy. I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, he was trying on pants and a jacket, whatever. And he stepped off the block to get down to my level to be personable uh-huh. and greet me. Yeah. And he was more embarrassed. Yeah. And, and that was the humility yeah. of yeah. Bernie. And we just, we hit it off from that moment. And then a, a friendship built to the point where I think you made me feel guilty that I was talking to Bernie more than I was talking to you. Yeah, I was angry. We, we lived through that. No, I was very jealous. <laughs> I became like a jealous, exactly. you know, That's wife. That's right. A jealous girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, but we, we built a camaraderie in the time we spent down here talking about physical fitness. We, you know, all of that health and the grind and the city, because we're all city boys. Yeah. Right. You know, you're Brooklyn, he's Bronx, I'm Queens. So right. We, right. We have a lot of, uh, history there. And it was just great. It was just a great human being to be speaking with yeah, on a regular was. basis. And so are you. Uh, now, you sent me something yesterday, Joseph, yeah. which was really heart-wrenching. Yeah. I think, was it the last conversation? Yeah. yeah. He took a, a, a screenshot of the last text back and forth. In July of uh, before he passed away. That was tough to read. Yeah. That was very tough yeah. to read. And as we were talking about, you know, I go back with Bernie to the early 90s. Yeah. With Imus and Charles and... Right. Um, and I, I think of, of the group, I've probably known him the longest, probably less than Lou, but I've known him and he was always 
a classy guy. When I would have rough interviews with Imus and I said, what am I doing this for? And you mentioned this earlier. He would come out of the control room and say, you know, I'm sorry. He was such a personable, warm, loving guy. Most people don't know him that way. We never socialized that much. He probably came up to my office on Fifth Avenue maybe two or three times just to talk. And he was, and I loved Bernie. And I loved that. And I feel today it's pretty much like an Irish wake. This is yeah. a celebration is of an incredible yeah. human being that most people will never know and how fortunate we were to know him. And I think he'd be so proud of where the show is today with Lou and Justin and the team and and you guys are amazing. I, I love you guys. Oh. I feel like you're part of my family because it's a continuity. It's from my early days of Imus and Charles McCord, who I loved, and, and Mike Breen, you know, Bill from White Plains. Those were <laughs> wonderful moments. And it was at the height of when radio was incredibly great. And you've carried on that tradition. I'm the only you, one. You, you really are. And, and the I know of it, it's I, died. It's and, completely died. And here's the issue. We all get accused of throwing these bouquets. It's true. And I told you that. And one of the stories that I wanted to tell you was I had called Bernie one day when you and Minko were vying for the sports job. My God. This is really true. So I called Bernie. I said, Bernie, Survivor's just come on the air. It's really cool. Why don't we have a contest to see who we can vote off Wait the island? So you're taking credit for Wait this? a minute. No, no. no. <laughs> I, 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 vote. I will is, tell you. And everybody's yeah. dead. I can't even not, find not, out. Let me tell you something. So Bernie. If God is my witness, <laughs> yeah. I called him. And Bernie said to me, "Can it, let it be my idea. Can I tell Imus? And I said, I said, I will never tell it. But since Bernie's passed away, I feel I'm sure. okay to tell the story. <laughs> but yeah. uh, ah, but ah. it is true. And then Imus had all of us. He had Boomer Esiason, he had Bo, he had uh, Dick Cabot. They, I can't remember. Mike Lubica. Lubica was there. He had, uh, uh, we had to fall back into the – we were all in the control room. Yeah, and no. we were voting on you or Minka. And then people called in, too. Mike and the Mad Dog called in. Every, Deirdre called in. Absolutely. So, yeah. yes, it was my idea. But what I was, wow. was really surprised about was when he came to me and he said, who do you want to stay? And I said, you. I know. And he that. was really surprised. I don't know if he was surprised he, or angry. Well, maybe. Because I, I think he wanted me to lose. Maybe he did. <laughs> he knew about right. it, but he wanted right. me to lose. But that was, um, so, you know, Bernie was always so instrumental. And I talked to him on a regular basis between breaks and things like that. Yeah. And, and I just loved him. I just loved his personality and who he was. And he would be so proud of what's happening today. He's a, He was a terrific guy. There's no question about yeah. it. He, he really yeah. was. Yeah. And and he enjoyed all those days like we did. I mean, those those days were different. And, and, and I said this to somebody at a meeting yesterday. Lou, I know I think I told you this. And I came here in 2016. I, I never made it with Imus in 2008 because I got fired, as you guys know, in 2005. But I watched it on TV. I kept up with yeah, it. Yeah, sure. And, and uh, Imus would still bring me on, you know. And, and there was a while there in 2007 even when, when he was uh, bringing me back. I was coming back. And then we had the, the Rutgers Day. But... And not to, uh, you know, to, to say anything bad about WABC, but the WABC I missed to me was like, you know when you saw like cartoons and you were a kid and then somebody else did the voice? And it, it didn't sound right. Same. It wasn't the same. Right. It, it wasn't the, what the, it was the, in the 90s. Like if, if you think you knew I miss at AB, you didn't know him. The FAN I miss, that was guy in the late 90s, early 2000s. Unbelievable. That was completely different. And that was a group that I was a part of. Right. So there's like people like, like Mike Gunselman, for example, I love him to death. He's not an Imus guy. He came along no, in no, right. 2010 of ABC. Right. Right. That's how it always felt. Maybe right. that's just me being, um, you know, uh, selfish right. And, right. and a well, baby. Well, well, but that's how I felt. And th- those years, that was when not just Imus, because Imus was great, 
Stern was on terrestrial radio. He was yep, great. Right. Scott and Todd were kicking yep. ass at yep. POJ. And Open Anthony were Open right. Anthony were killing it on WNEW. Right. Right. I mean, radio was a big was deal. Powerful. And it think about powerful. it now. You guys are here because you're talented guys, but you're also you love radio. Yeah. How many shows are like that? But now? watch, we decided to advertise with you and Bernie. When you, we advertised our store, and yeah. my, you took all your money from Boomer Science. We, thank we, you, Bernie. We took the money from WFAN, <laughs> and we decided to advertise because we saw that potential. Yeah. And we were there. And you know, just on a on a little bit more somber note, my dad passed away from the very same illness that Bernie had. Oh, your dad died from prostate, prostate cancer. I and didn't it know spread. That. Yeah, it See, I thought your dad uh, eventually died be- uh, because of the injuries he well, suffered. Well, what ended up happening is he, he died from prostate cancer. That was the official um, wow. notice of death. And um, he it did metastasize. And I, I remember how – I can't remember that period without feeling incredibly sad about my dad because he was only a shell of who he was. Wow. And I know what Bernie had gone through. And I think the message today is – for guys, get out there and get tested. Get Absolutely. tested. 100%. Go out and do it. Yeah. Uh, and it's um, it's a very curable disease if it's caught early. And I think Bernie would want us all to do that. Let's take a quick break because I want to keep you guys on as long as possible. I love this foursome. I'm, I'm happy we, we're ending the show like this. But you guys specifically, Corey Zelnick, Joseph Abood, Peter Morgan. We'll come back. A couple more segments on this special Bernie Remembrance Day. Sitting friends in the morning on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to wrap things up on this funny remembrance day. You know, and I talked to Corey. I said, Corey, uh, if you don't, if you haven't met Corey, he's very good looking. He's, he's in good shape. He, you know, he lifts weights. He runs marathons. And uh, something's, I didn't know this, but something told me that he doesn't get checked. He doesn't do anything. And then, and of course, I was right. He, he, nothing. I mean, I, absolutely, you don't get checked. You don't do anything, do you? I don't have a doctor. <laughs> You're one of the most successful real estate guys. You got second row Nick tickets. You don't have a doctor. I don't have an internist. When was the last time you went to the doctor? Well, I went to. I had a abdominal hernia surgery in the summertime, but that was the last time. Nah, that's different. That's did, did you have COVID? Did you ever get COVID? No, I never got it. See, yeah. look at you. You're like you're like a you're like a, an Iron Man. But now, but now, look, Pete and and Joseph rightfully so, berated me. Yeah, of course. So they convinced yeah. you. And so now that they are on the side of my darling wife, Jessica, I will have to go find does a doctor. Jessica, does Jessica bother you? Oh, she said, get a doctor. Oh, good. She sends me texts with doctor's names. And I just, <laughs> oh, Jesus. I love that. We I know, love we'll that. bring the urologist to dinner next time we have dinner oh, with Nackel. Okay, all right. How about that? The the they'll, they'll expect you that. right on the table. Before the appetizer. All right. As long, okay. as, it does, as, long as you're happy with that, don't turn me off. I don't care. We'll as do long it. as you get checked. Now, what Absolutely. place was this? Was Maybe it good? We, I don't know. Was so it Italian? It was yeah, Italian. It was great. It was, yeah, it was a great night. Okay. So, and, and so your apartment is about 18 blocks away from his place. So. No, closer. No, five, oh, you're closer? Yeah. Six blocks. Oh, yeah. that's how you are. Okay. You can take him over personally. I mean, that's exactly <laughs> right. I, I might be doing the, I might be doing the exam. Well, that's right. <laughs> I'll see you Tuesday. That's well, right. Pete gets uh, every year for 26 years since he tragically lost his father. And Joseph, his father died from prostate cancer yeah. too, 53 years ago. Yeah. Have you gone every year like Pete? Or how, how, yeah, no, how I go every year. I go every year. You yeah. know, after you turn 40 and 
yeah. 45 or 50, that's when you really need to start. See, uh, in the old days, if I miss, they stereotyped you, of course, because you're a fashion designer. And, <laughs> of course. And you're gay, and it doesn't matter. You have, you have your gorgeous wife, and I've met your daughters are really gorgeous, but you're gay. So, of course, <laughs> I miss it. And I, mean, I would say, oh, of course, you're, and you're probably one, two, or three times a day. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, I know. Well, our, our, remembering Bernie... Um, Outside of Imus is even more wonderful than remembering yeah. with Imus. Yeah. You know, with you, yeah. I think we have great memories of you guys really creating a new paradigm. Thank you. And um, Thank and you. then you've just carried the banner. Thank you. And we're all so proud of you. Six hours today, incredible. Thank you. Uh, I've listened to as much as I can, and it's it's wonderful. Between doctors and, of course, you know, Bill from White Plains and Mike Green, who <laughs> yes. is it's brilliant. We all love Mike when he was doing sports on the Imus show. Oh, he so, was great. So the legacy yeah. here is wonderful. It's great to look at the past, but it's also wonderful to look at what's going to happen in the future for you because you're very successful and we're all proud of you. I love you, Joseph. Thank you. Peter, I really do love you very much. You look beautiful. Peter, thank you for being here all six hours today. That was awesome to have you. No, it was, uh, and, you it was know, great. You. Yeah, it was, it yeah. was great. And, and yeah. McGurks, we love you. Yeah. We had a great time at the gala. We sat at the we were at the table with uh, with Carol and yeah. and, and yeah. the kids and, and yeah. Justin and Lou. We had a yeah. great night and Matt Meany. Yeah, I mean we had a we had a really it was a touching evening, but it was a great time to great to see them dancing and smiling and laughing. Wasn't what a cool? great time. It was Melanie, really cool. His daughter Melanie, she's a beautiful girl, by the way. She was dancing all night long. She had a blast. They had a nice great time, and that was yeah. uh, it was good yeah. to see. So, uh, you know, this is great, and the awareness is so important. Get tested. It's really simple. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Because maybe in most cases there's nothing wrong. Just yeah. just be sure. Get and even if there is something, Pete, if you detect it early, yeah. it's it's not a it's yeah. not a death. Sentence. They'll monitor it. Yeah. And uh, Corey, you're going to have to lower the price of that uh, store downstairs because you can't rent the damn place. I know. <laughs> we'll, we'll get rid of it. He yeah. said, uh, uh, right. That's I the... want I want Joseph back. Uh, <laughs> I needed to design some things. Well, don't uh, laugh. He actually, you kind of intimated last time that you were doing yeah, something. Working on a brand new collection, which is um which is a very spiritual collection. And as I told you, I keep dropping little hints. Yes. And as I'm in the process right now of developing new product. So maybe uh, Corey's being serious. Never, Joseph know. and I are going to do something. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know? Look out, look out. That but location like, has got my name on it, right. literally and but, figuratively. I know. <laughs> that was great. I know you're going to run out, but I thank you so much for allowing me to be a small part of this. Yeah. Uh, I got to meet Carol at St. Patrick's Cathedral yeah. the first time, and she was lovely. And, and God bless Carol and their entire family. And uh, God rest. Bernard you guys Berger. are all great people. You're Love great you people. Did. There's a reason why Bernard loved you, yeah. and there's a reason why I love you, all three of you gentlemen, uh, as well as many of our guests today. But I'm happy we ended the show with you three specifically. Lewis, that's a good job today, my man. Bernie loved you. He's proud of you, I'm sure. Justin, he wasn't very fond of you, but you did a good job. And uh, Noam, great job, too. God willing, as my driver Gene says, we'll be back tomorrow. Folks, guys, thank you, Pete Morgan. Thank you. Please be around to camp for those who you love. Talk to your doctor about prostate cancer screenings. Please do not neglect it, my friend Bernie. Uh, he did, and unfortunately, he's not here today. Be around for your family and future. Call Advanced Radiation Centers today at 844-3-CANCER-DOC. That's 844-3-CANCER-DOC-DOC. So for my whole crew... And, of course, for Bernie listening up in heaven. We'll all be back at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning, folks. Until then, peace!
you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.